Hello and welcome to COS Live. You can watch the original video broadcast live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Visit conventionofstakes.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's COS Live. Well, hello, COS supporters, and welcome to a very special edition of COS Live. We are covering the elections tonight. We have a bunch of COS activists that are going to be joining us. We have a bunch of high-profile guests that are going to be coming on. We have some national interest reporters and we have, of course, my co-host, Rita Peters, who is also the Senior Vice President for Legislative Affairs. Rita, it's, a, it's an honor to be with you, to be with the many guests that we're going to have tonight as we watch election results come in. Uh, my, my first question before we get into the agenda and introduce some of the guests is, how excited are you right now to watch this historic election night with our grassroots? I am so excited to, to do this program with you tonight, Andrew. As you know, this is our first time ever doing anything like this, this live election coverage. So I'm going to ask for everyone to be super gracious with us. We've never done this before. We're trying something new. And the, one of the mottos of our organization is act, learn, and adjust. So I'm sure you're going to see us doing that some tonight on the program. But most of all, Andrew, I'm just really excited to see what's going to happen in these elections all over the country tonight. I think it's going to be a really historic night. I think it's going to be a historic night as well. And as we hear every single election cycle, this is the most important election of our lifetime. I've been hearing that ever since I turned 18 and voted in my very first election. Uh, just to do a, a quick run through, uh, Rita, of, of what we're going to be doing, the agenda that we have tonight. We have some grassroots activists that are going to be giving us some reports from their state, key races that they're looking at. We also are going to have some high profile guests join us to give some election analysis. Uh, nationally. So at the top of the hour, we are going to have Rick Green join us. He is going to give us some early night election analysis. Of course, Rick Green is a dear friend of Convention of States. He's called America's Constitutional Coach. So he'll be here at the top of the hour. Then at the bottom of hour two, we are going to have Michael Ferris. Yes, you heard that. We're having Michael Ferris join us. Of course, he's going to do some election analysis as well. Michael Ferris is the president of Alliance Defending Freedom, and he's also the uh, one of the people that uh, co-founded Convention of States. So he is a darling among the grassroots at Convention of States. We're going to be uh, joined by him at the bottom of hour two. We also uh, will have Rick Santorum hopefully join us. He's very busy. He's on Newsmax and other places. So we Hopefully going to have Rick, uh, Senator Rick Santorum join us as well. And of course, we want to have our grand poobah, uh, COS president and co-founder, Mark Meckler. He is going to be joining us as well. He'll be tuning in from the Daily Wire headquarters. So hopefully we'll see him at some point in hour two. Like I said earlier, though, we are going to have our grassroots activists who are going to be telling us what they're seeing on the ground. And that's really the key thing to remember that we are looking at state races right now, but we know that you also are very interested in what's going on nationally. So we are going to have two national interest reporters who are going to be keeping an eye on important national races, races that are at the federal level. Uh, we're going to have Jackson Allen and Lana Burkhart who are going to be giving us updates, what's going on nationally, because right now the, Senate and the House of Representatives, power for both of those hangs in the balance. So we were going to see who is going to have control at the end of the night. Uh, Jackson Allen and Lana both are part of the Emerging Leaders Program. 
Jackson Allen is the uh, intern coordinator for that program, and Lana Burkhart is the social media intern. It's great to have both of you. Uh, what races are you both going to look at tonight? And Jackson, you go ahead. Well, Sorry, thanks, Andrew. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Great to be with you guys. Um, yeah, we're already seeing some things come in. Um, the Kentucky Senate race has been called for Rand Paul, um, Indiana Senate race um, for Senator Young, South Carolina for Tim Scott, um, and the South Carolina governor race for McMaster as well. So already seeing some stuff being called. Oh, Ohio governor uh, as well um, for DeWine has been called. Uh, but we're really going to be watching across the country um, tonight. Some of the big races on the East Coast that we'll be watching are Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, North Carolina, Ohio, Florida, New Hampshire all have big national races um, that will be coming in. As you can see up there on the screen right now, um, those are some of the governor seats uh, that don't have races right now, plus some of the ones that have been called, like South Carolina tonight. Um, so lots of national races, especially on the East Coast, um, but we're almost to the top of the hour here, and we'll start seeing more polls, uh, more polls closing the Central as well. And so we'll uh, be reporting back to you guys on that as those results come in. Very good. Thank you very much, Jackson. Can't wait to hear about more updates and more races that get called uh, Rita, I, I want to kind of kick this over to you because, you know, at Convention of States, we really focus on the state level, but we decided that we are uh, going to do election night coverage. Can you just explain for the audience why it's so important that we have a focus on these, 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 these state elections? I'm talking about the state Senate and the state House of Representatives or the state um, House of Delegates or whichever the state has. Why is it so important that we keep a, our eyes focused on these, on these races at the state level? Yeah, well, it's a great question, Andrew, because it does seem like, especially in these midterm elections or in a presidential election year, the nation is really focused on the federal level. Who's going to you know, go to Congress? Who's going to win the presidency? Of course, those things are important. We should absolutely be paying attention to those. But we also need to really pay attention to what's happening closer to home, what's happening in the states. You know, the state legislatures, as you said, are our primary focus at Convention of States. And that's as it should be, because the founding fathers always intended for the state legislatures to do the bulk of the policy making that governs our everyday lives. Our goal at Convention of States of triggering the nation's first ever Article 5 convention to propose amendments to the U.S. Constitution that would impose fiscal restraints on Washington, limit the jurisdiction, and set term limits for federals, well, it requires the state legislatures to be the ones to pass our resolution and trigger the first ever Article 5 convention. As you know, Andrew, we already passed in 19 states. We need 34 states to trigger that convention. So we've got to get the state legislatures to pass the Convention of States resolution, and we're working on that. Now, today, 88 of the country's 99 state legislative chambers, so chambers, the House, the Senate, 88 of the 99 chambers will hold are holding elections across 46 states. So all but four states have those legislative elections today. Those are for 6,278 of the country's 7,383 state legislative seats. That's 85% 
of the state legislative seats in the country. That's huge. Of the 88 chambers, and I'm, I'm pulling this information from our friends at Ballotpedia, if you want to look it up, of the 88 chambers that are up for election, Democrats before tonight control 32, Republicans control 55, the Alaska controlled by a multi-partisan power sharing agreement. Producer G has a great graphic for you there. So our friends at Ballotpedia have done the work and identified 28 battleground chambers in 19 states. It is anticipated that these chambers are going to be more competitive overall, and we might see shifts in party control in these states that you're looking at. Now, as far as my perspective as the um, um, senior vice Vice President for Legislative Affairs with Convention of States, I'll tell you, I'm just going to let you in on the ones that I personally am, am most interested in, and there are 12 for me. They are Colorado, the, and they're in alphabetical order here, roughly, <laughs> not order of importance, but they're Colorado, Iowa, Kansas, Michigan, Minnesota, Montana, Nevada, North Carolina, Ohio, Oregon, Pennsylvania, and Wyoming. Those are the ones that I'm sort of on the edge of my seat to see what's going to happen. And Andrew, um, before we before we go to our guests and talk about uh, results that are breaking in some of these states, I, as you said, we are a grassroots organization, and our grassroots teams have been busy throughout election season this whole time. Um, okay, so we have several of our grassroots leaders ready to report on what they're seeing in their states, how the elections are going there, what they expect, and, and just what they've been doing in election season. I'm going to introduce some of them in just a few moments, but Producer G's telling me we have Rick Green right now. Mm -hmm. So let's go to Rick Green. Rick, thanks so much for being with us tonight. How are you? Are you kidding? I hang out with Convention of States people anytime I can. This is, and on a night like this, after all the work Convention of States folks have put in over the last year, I am thrilled to be with you. Absolutely. So glad to have you. Yeah, we're so happy to have you back, Rick. It's been a while since we had you on uh, COS Live. Uh, you know, just for, for those who, who may not know you, although I, I doubt there are many people within Convention of States that don't know your name because you are America's constitutional coach. So there are many people that know you. You're a darling within a convention of states. Uh, we love you. There. We love how our organizations are so close together. Uh, but you are the president of, of uh, Patriot Academy. And, you know, we want to get your perspective tonight because you, yeah. you know a lot about politics. You got your pulse on what's going on in America. You got your pulse on what's going on with the Constitution. Polls are closing in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Kansas, Vermont, Delaware. Several other states have already closed as well. What do you think? What's your early night uh, kind of outlook. Is this going to be a good night for America? It's going to be a phenomenal night for America. And it, it wasn't easy to get here. I just want to stress that it has been the hard work of all of us on boots on the ground all over the country in our communities, knocking on the doors, making the phone calls, you know, uh, talking around the fire, talking around the coffee table, talking. I mean, everybody's been putting in the effort uh, because they care about the country. And thankfully, the left is spoiled. They don't they, they can't control themselves. There's no self-control. Uh, they, they go too far and they went too far. They woke up the giant. And the good news is the giant has responded. And I'm talking about those, 
you know, red, white, and blue Americans out there that that still love the country, still, you know, read the Bible and still uh, love the Constitution and believe in parental rights. They've been awakened. And so we've been feeling this for weeks. But I tell you guys, um, I think the momentum exploded in even just the last week or so. Joe Biden saying no more coal plants. Uh, you're not going to drill anymore. I mean, all the crazy stuff uh, that they have been saying and doing. And, and I, and I just want to say this, I know there's going to be a lot of races talked about tonight. And of course, Mark's got his finger on the pulse far better than I do on so many races all across the country. So you're going to hear about all these different races and, and clearly everybody's focused on, uh, the, the control of Congress. And, and I think definitely, you know, we're going to win the house. It could be a 40 to 50 seat margin. It could be phenomenal. It could only be 10 or 15. What we're going to find out uh, very shortly. Uh, and I, and I absolutely think we win the Senate as well as few as 52, uh, 48, as good as, you know, possibly even 55, 45. But the one I want everybody to focus on, because like you said, the Constitution's my passion. If we want to restore a constitutional republic, if we want to restore federalism, the governors are the most important races to watch tonight. And the most important one to watch, the bellwether, the one that I think will have the most impact on the future of this country because of a restoration of federalism is Arizona and Kerry Lake. Now, this is pretty much a foregone conclusion based on the polling as of the last week or so. She's way ahead. That was not the case just six weeks ago, guys. She was losing just six weeks ago when she won the Republican nomination. It was, you know, wailing and gnashing of teeth. Everybody thought oh, you had all these establishment Republicans saying no way she can win. Um, uh, you had, you know, the left just going nuts. She has done a master class for the last six months on how to run a campaign, how to handle the media. And most importantly, she has quoted the Constitution over and over and over again. Article 4, Section 4, it is the federal government's job to seal the border. They have not done it. They failed. Article 1, Section 10 kicks in, and the states can do it. She will be the first governor in America to actually use that clause in the Constitution to seal the border in Arizona. That will force Governor Abbott to do it here in my home state of Texas. He's going to win big tonight over Beto O'Rourke. And because of what Kerry Lake will ultimately do in Arizona, he'll be forced to do it in Texas. And those are big, big, big signs for us restoring the Constitutional Republic. So I got to emphasize Kerry because I, I really think that's the one that is the linchpin for restoring federalism in America. A ton of other governor's races that Schmidt, oh, yeah. uh, he understands federalism. There's a, there's just a lot of good ones, but I, I got a single out. I've never met Kerry. I've been on one. I've been on a program with her before. But I'm telling you, my wife and I, we are we have followed her closely because we see so much hope in what she represents for America. That's great. I love the idea of governors who know and revere our constitution. Yeah. That that sounds amazing. And so governors are so important for federalism. Rick, a few minutes before you joined us, I was talking to our viewers about how important the state legislatures are. Yes. The founders yeah. intended yeah. that the bulk of the policymaking happens in the states, not in Congress. And right. so we yeah. are focused at COS uh, largely on the state legislative races tonight. And I know a lot of the nation is watching state legislatures in Colorado, Michigan, Minnesota, Pennsylvania. How important are those races, particularly in the states where we could see a shift in party control? Well, right back to federalism for me. Uh, this is the key. You know, I, I say it all the time. Without a convention of states, we do not restore the Constitution. It's absolutely essential. And so state legislators are the linchpin on that. The governors have nothing to do with it. So it's up to the state uh, legislative races for us to get there on, on not only COS, but on so many other issues, being willing to say no to the federal government in so many different ways. So you just you just uh, pointed it out. The key states where I think we could see a legislative change 
Uh, we could go to uh, Republican control in several of these key states. And 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 I, I I'm not doing this because I'm on y'all's uh, show and your output on this tonight. I really believe you guys have tilled the ground. You have been working the ground for so long and the activism in every legislative district in America. There's nobody else that has it like you guys. And you've been doing the work that now pays off tonight. So tonight should be a night of celebration for all the victories across the country because of the work COS activists have done across the nation in every legislative district. And I'm, I've got one personal one that I'm watching tonight, West Virginia. Uh, my my uh, One of my students, Elias Coop, is uh, is uh, running for the legislature there. Uh, but there's a ton of them. I mean, we can't name them all tonight, of course. But I do think you could see some shifts uh, in those legislatures. And even if we don't actually flip a couple of those uh, chambers, the gains that we're making, and and I don't know a nice way to say this, the muscle that we're showing, uh, that 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 they should pay attention to what we're doing is gonna pay off in spades in the in the legislative sessions in 2023. So those are those are big. You're spot on, mm -hmm. uh, Rick. So you, you mentioned uh, earlier you, you talked about how uh, the polls really started tightening and how uh, Carrie Lake is just so far ahead of of, of, of her challenger and. Uh, you talked about um, how the polls are starting to get tight right now. It's still pretty early to know what's going to happen, uh, whether yeah. it's going to be a red wave, a red tsunami, or as Steve Dace has said it multiple times, a red wedding, where we see just a realignment in uh, the political atmosphere right now. But just yeah. kind of what's, what's your perspective? Can you give us some analysis on what the results are going to mean tonight if we see something like a red tsunami? Well, I'll tell you what my prayer is, is that all the people that put the hard work in up to now do not go to bed tonight thinking, okay, we worked so hard. It's all done. Uh, you guys go do a good job. We got you elected. That's the worst thing we could do. What we have to do is say, okay, look, we got results, man. What we did paid off. Now we're going to double down. We're going to dig in even more. And essentially, uh, what I would say to all the activists out there is now it's kind of like it, it's kind of like the off season in a way, right? We just did all of these elections. A lot of good people are getting elected tonight. And now it's time to go back to spring training. It's time to dig in and practice and get get even better, study more, do become students of freedom even more, learn these things so that as we enter that next cycle, we're even more prepared. Be involved in the legislative session. Stay in touch with those legislators uh, that you've uh, made friends with and that you've campaigned for. So what I hope it means for America is not just a, a, a an inflection point where we have a chance to turn the tide but a moment where America gets motivated and inspired. They see that the results do work because you guys know this. A lot of our people are very concerned and they should be concerned. There's a lot of election shenanigans already going on today. A lot of problems with voting machines. All that stuff is, is happening. And so a lot of our people have said, you know, a lot of citizens have said, I'm not going to participate because I don't think my vote's going to count. They're going to steal it from me or whatever. And we've all said the same thing. No, you stay, you press the gas, you stay involved. We're, we've got 80,000 volunteers on the ground right now, a million people, all these people that have gotten involved to be poll workers and all these different things. We're doing everything we can to, to ensure the integrity of the election. So what people have to realize is tonight it's not over. Tonight it begins. It's, it's going to be a motivator for all of those activists to say, okay, we won that. Now we're going to double down. It's time for the next inning. It's time for the next uh, battle. I hope that's what happens and they're encouraged because they get to see the results. You guys remember what happened when Virginia came in. You know, everybody had been so upset about the 2020 elections and so concerned about all the things that had happened. What Virginia did for us was it showed that even in a blue state with all the easy-to-cheat laws, that conservatives could still win. Constitution lovers could still win. And that gave people hope to stay involved for this election cycle. I think after tonight, 
you take the encouragement and the and the inspiration of Virginia and you multiply it a hundredfold. And that's what's going to happen after tonight. We're going to see even more activism going into 2023. Hmm. Yeah, well, I am proud to be a Virginian, Rick, as you know. <laughs> Thanks for giving us the shout out. So you are so right. I, I think that sometimes... Um, you know, I hear people talk about elections and voting. Of course, it's, you know, the basic civic duty is to go out and vote on election day. So we know that. But I, I think, unfortunately, some people think that their civic duty ends after they vote on election day. And I, I love hearing you talk about, you know, no, we're going to double down after election day. What are some of the things that good citizens need to be doing after the election is over? Yeah, you know, I think sometimes we, we approach our citizenship the way um, I would argue bad parents approach parenthood. They think the bare minimum's enough, right? If I give them food and I clothe them and I have a roof over their head, I'm done. Never mind all the love and the teaching and the training and the and the shepherding and training them up in the in the in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and all the things that we should do as parents. Citizenship's the same way. Voting is like just barely doing the minimum. You put a roof over the kid's head, you gave them food and clothing. Now we got to do way beyond that. We've got to actually be building those relationships with those state legislators. We got to be showing up to testify in the committee hearings at the at when the legislature meets. We've got to be gathering together in our communities and building community with our friends and family and neighbors during this off season, if you will, as we enter this off season. That's why the biblical citizenship in modern America, the Constitution classes, that's why those are such a key component and why that that partnering with uh, Convention of States and, and Patriot Academy has been such a big deal because it gives people a reason to come together and learn more and then act more, have more action items and more things they can do. A lot of people watching tonight, they've watched these uh, election returns and they, they watch this election cycle and they've been thinking, you know, maybe I should run for school board. Maybe I should run for city council. And so I think you're going to see that next level of civic engagement where citizens are saying, I'm not just voting, man, I'm making phone calls. I'm knocking on doors. I'm joining convention of states and I'm going to work for my state to call for a convention. I'm going to work for for uh, school board races and city council races and maybe even run myself. Another one I would encourage people to do, start a salt and light council at your church. Create that community within your faith community that's saying, how do we apply our faith in the civic arena? Because the civic arena is not only not off limits, it's a critical part of our faith, of our living out our faith. As Charles Finney said, we should do our duty to our country as a part of our duty to God. So there's so many ways people can get involved. And again, not just you know kissing up to you guys because I'm on your show, uh, but being a part of Convention of States, you're going to constantly find new ways to be involved. It's not just passing the resolution in each state, as you guys talk about, and as, as you know, it's all the other action, all the other things that Convention of States is doing to keep people plugged in and give them the track to run on so they don't have to go figure it out on their own. That's the beauty of this. Um, so, man, we could list a million different things they can do. Most importantly, stay plugged in with COS, and, uh, and you'll have a great community to do those things with. All right, Rick, we got one more question for you before we let you go. Uh, we've talked about the connection between Convention of States and Patriot Academy and how you and Mark are such good friends. And uh, many of our uh, people that are tuning in right now, they know that you were recently at the uh, Reclaiming Liberty Summit for Convention of States. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about that experience for you? What was it like being on stage? What was it like mingling with some of the grassroots there? And just kind of give us your overall, overall perspective of the summit itself. 
Well, it was incredible, first of all. So big. There were so many people that came in from across the nation. I have to set up this answer, guys, by admitting that I am the sap in my family, okay? So when Kara and I watch a movie and it's a cry moment, she's not the one crying. I'm the one crying. So I do I do cry easy, okay? But I'm telling you, there were multiple times throughout the summit where I, I just literally sat in tears because it, you could tell we were sitting in the middle of an inflection point for the nation and the movement is winning. We're actually moving in the, in the right direction. When Mark Levin spoke that night, on, I, I'm telling you guys, that for me was an epiphany moment. And the things that he said and just looking around the room and seeing all those activists and knowing how far down the road we've gone already – uh, I, I mean, I was just overwhelmed, honestly, overwhelmed with hope and optimism. Uh, the people that would stop me in the hallway and say, hey, we've been doing biblical citizenship. This one lady stopped me, guys. I mean, she stopped and she said, I've never done any speaking before, never done any of this stuff. And I took the con the one day constitution class that you guys created for the for the schools. And she said, I took that and I did it in six different classrooms, 140 different kids learned the constitution. I, she said, I never would have done anything like that if I had not been involved with Convention of States and Patriot Academy. I just had story after story after story like that. So for me, I came home, honestly, a little emotionally drained, just just in a good way. I mean, it was just a powerful, powerful weekend. Uh, Kara and I are so thankful for you guys and what you do and to all the people that were at Summit. Thanks for creating such a great, really a, a weekend that inspired everybody to go back into this next round uh, and be ready to press the gas because we still got a lot of work to do, but we've got an amazing team to do it with. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Rick. It's been a pleasure kind of getting your analysis on the early uh, election kind of results that are coming in and just what you are, what you think is going to happen for the rest of the evening. Can't wait to have you back on another COS Live. Thank you so much. God bless you, brother. You bet. You guys have a good one. God bless. Good night. All right. So, uh, Rita, I, I know we have some grassroots activists who are kind of waiting in the background who have their eyes on some key races. I think, can we bring them in and just kind of talk to them for a few moments and do some breaking news updates? Yeah, let's do it. Let's introduce some of them. So I know we have Bill Scott and Sue Kaler from Ohio. And I'm, I think that Ohio po polls have already closed. So let, let's hear first from Bill and uh, Sue if she's still with us. But Bill, you're the Ohio State Director. We're happy to have you on. Tell us what's going on there in Ohio. Yeah, well, the polls did close at 730. And uh, so we have a little bit of time yet, but I've uh, been refreshing the Secretary of State's website about every five minutes. And there, there's nothing posted yet at all for any of the, the races that we care about, the House and Senate and, and the state. But uh, we'll keep hitting that refresh button and see what we can do. But I, I can tell you that some of the polls that I saw earlier today uh, indicate that uh, we have a supermajority, Republican rather, uh, 64 to 35 uh, Democrats in Ohio. That's a supermajority. Polls expect us to go anywhere from two to four higher in the supermajority. So they're, they're looking pretty good in the House. The Senate, we expect it will probably be uh, even. It's, uh, it's also a supermajority there, but uh, that could go plus or minus uh, one either way. So we're, we're just, uh, just uh, hitting that refresh button. <laughs> and I do have, I don't know if they're on the call or not, they were earlier, but I don't see them right now. Okay, thanks so much, Bill. And I'm going to be hitting the refresh button a lot on my screen.
signs too tonight. We're all going to be doing a lot of that. Um, Want to go next to Kurt in Michigan? I think the polls closed at the top of the hour. There, Kurt. Welcome to the program. What are you seeing? Thanks. Yeah, nothing. Nothing coming in. I'm looking at these comments about Michigan GOP not helping Tudor Dixon. The state party's broke. It's dysfunctional. The money people function outside the party. The Detroit turnout, though, is expected to only be 30%, was 41% four years ago. So that'll help the statewide uh, ticket on the Republican side. It may not affect our races. I'm looking at, we have 38 state senators here, and of the six swing districts that the state Senate PAC is focuses on, five of them are COS supporters, including uh, one who is the only incumbent re Republican in a Democrat district. And we've got three House races in the top 12 swing districts that the Republican House PAC is working on. So we'll be looking at those. We have the uh, Kill the Babies proposal. Three is that we'll get a lot of national attention. There's nothing coming in yet on the proposals. So when something comes in, I'll let producer G know. <laughs> All right. Kurt, thanks for being with us tonight and giving us your report from the field. Um, I see, I know Ben Castle is here and George from Iowa, but I want to go next to Dave Schneider because I know he is at a watch party with one of his state teams. Dave is one of our regional directors, of course, on the national team, and we are very interested in the races in a number of his states tonight, including Montana, Wyoming, Kansas, Michigan. Dave, welcome and tell us what you're doing. What are you watching? Well, I'm watching the numbers just like everybody else. It's pretty early yet, um, but I'm starting to see some returns come in in my home state of Kansas. Very early, a lot of, lot of uh, races that we are paying attention to. Uh, we, too, have a governor's race that's pretty important in our state where uh, uh, Laura Kelly, uh, the Democrat, has, has been in power now for four years. And uh, one of our supporters is actually taking her on in, in the govern governor's race. Um, more importantly, the Convention of States. Well, that actually does have some ramifications in Convention of States as well. Um, and that's a long story. But more importantly, the Convention of the States, uh, quite a few races that we're keeping an eye on. Haven't seen any returns at the for the state level or the state representative or state senator races quite yet. But I can tell you the teams have, have been absolutely working, 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 working. And I think you're going to hear from them later on in the program um, when once they get back from their poll duties today, because quite a few of them actually were out there volunteering their time for the polls uh, working and monitoring polls, but I'm watching in Slack as well. There's a lot of activity going still in Kansas, South Dakota. It's a little early. Uh, the polls just closed there as well. Um, you just heard from Michigan, no real results thus far, but uh, Montana looking for that. Uh, there's, they're still open. So I'm not going to really comment too much about uh, what's going on in the mountain time zone. Uh, they're still uh, voting in a couple of my States. So, Lots to be looking for. I'm anxious, that's for sure. We've got a lot of these districts that are the teams have been working extremely hard in. 
I know our grassroots activists are just amazing here at convention of states. We don't have a chit chat society. We are a team of activists. Thanks, Dave. And I hope you'll join us a little bit later in the program and um, talk to us some more about the results as they come in. But thanks for being with us. George, <laughs> you're up from Iowa. Tell us what's going on there. Of course, our polls don't close until eight o'clock here. So we're anxiously waiting and, and following uh, what's going on, um, what's happening in, in Iowa. And, and the people are saying that, that uh, the conservatives are going to gr uh, grow a big majority, almost a veto-proof majority here in Iowa. So I'm hoping that's the case. That'll really help the COS cause and, and uh and we'll see what happens as the polls close. Mm. Well, I hope you can um, join us again a little bit later in the program to tell us about what you're seeing as the results come in. I know I am expecting great things from Iowa in 2023 as far as getting our resolution passed. So I am um, eager to see your hard work there in the state paying off. Okay, um, Bill, Bill, what will happen after the results are in? What's the next step for Ohio this year? Well, we are in uh, lame duck uh, starting right uh, tomorrow. Uh, first session won't be till the middle of uh, uh, November. And uh, we will be uh, contacting um, uh, our sponsors. I have a, actually an appointment tomorrow morning to talk to our house sponsor and get his read on what, what's going on and what's happened overnight and so forth. And um, uh, same with the, the two sponsors, uh, one in the House and one in the, uh, in the, in the Senate. Uh, and then the grassroots will be starting to call and, and make uh, letters and letting them know there's the time is, is, is short. We want to uh, make sure that they get something on the books this year, but um, we'll see. We don't really know if, if they'll make it happen or not, but we're uh, certainly pushing that way. Okay. Well, Bill, you, if you would please just continue to monitor those results in Ohio for us. And we'd like sure. to come back to you in a little bit and see yeah. what, what you're seeing and get your comments on them. want to let our viewers know that at this point in the evening, polls have closed in several states, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Kansas. Those are all big states for us. Also in Vermont and Delaware. Polls have closed. Voting is completed. And now we're just watching and waiting as those results come in. I understand we do have our regional director, Grant Martin, who covers the state of North Carolina. There he is. Hey, Grant, you have been a very busy man <laughs> working up with your amazing teams in all of your teams. And one of those is North Carolina. Tell us what you know so far about the election in North Carolina. Uh, well, thank you very much, guys. It's great to be here with you, and it's a, it's a lot of fun, and it's great to see this. Like you said, there's been a lot of work going on. The grassroots have been just absolutely amazing, and trying to keep up with them has been phenomenal. We'll just put it that way. And a big shout-out to all my teams that have been working so hard. Right now, what I'm seeing in North Carolina right now is there, there's a few precincts that are reporting. 
Uh, mostly it's uh, the uh, mail in ballots and, and that type of thing that's being reported. So, not a, we're certain results, but not enough to really report on yet. And we're hoping for a, a big night in, in North Carolina, trying to get super majorities in, in both chambers and uh, just, just make a, a splash there. Well, tell us about some of the things that um, the North Carolina team has been doing. I, I know it's amazing. I was so impressed as you were sharing some of it with me earlier today. Oh, uh, it's, I, I mean, they, they have been working so hard. First off, they, they participated independently on 31 campaigns uh, for, for both the House and the Senate. 19 of those in the House, 12 of them in the Senate. And I'm looking over here at my screen because I'm trying to remember all the statistics. But they, they actually knocked on 4,464 doors. Absolutely amazing candidature for, for uh, COS supporting candidates. They've uh, made 8,558 phone calls, sent uh, 58,000 texts, and sent 28, 20, almost 29,000 emails. I mean, they, what's, what's going on in North Carolina there with that team is, is absolutely amazing. <laughs> really blown away by it. Grant, um, you know, at Convention of States, we have just been producing for a long time now just cutting-edge technology to do what you're talking about, phone calls, text messages, sending out emails. And we're really ahead of the game when you compare us to other organizations. And we're doing things that other organizations are not doing. Uh, you know, Many organizations, they focus on marketing, they focus on ads, they focus on getting on television and stuff like that. But we're actually doing things like peer-to-peer -peer texting. And we're doing things that are like on the individual level can you just talk a little bit about that and just how how uh, influential it is when it comes to things like get out the vote? Well, I, I think it's uh, the technology is amazing, uh, but it really takes the people to, to use it and adopt it. And when you can tell legislators that you're doing this type of work and that you're really, I, I will say that there's no other grassroots organization that is out there on the ground doing what we are doing and it's really phenomenal to be part of that but the technology obviously you know for us to offer our grassroots that technology to give them that tool that allows them to develop that political muscle you know really this is what this is about is political muscle right getting people out to vote getting candidates that support us in office it's it's um, so you know, one of the newest technologies that we just uh, came online really just a couple of weeks before the election was was the peer-to-peer -peer texting that you had mentioned. And i tell you what, the teams have really adopt, adopted that. It's a uh, it's an amazing tool when you can really get a lot of text out there, get the message out about the candidate or whatever you're trying to do in this particular case. It's, it's uh, about the candidate. And, uh, you know, our, of course, our telepatriot system, we've had that for several years now. And, and the fact that you have people calling and talking to others and just encouraging them to, to vote for these, these candidates, it's, it's really powerful. So it, it, it's a lot of fun to watch and it's a lot of fun to, to me to really see the grassroots adopt it, make it their own and, and use it. I mean, make it, make it powerful. So it's, it's a lot of fun, Andrew. 
So Grant, I know that producer G has some graphics for us on North Carolina results. I don't know how final they are yet. Are, are you ready to talk to us about some specific races here? Well, like I said, what, what I'm looking at right now is there's very few precincts that have, have reported. Mostly what you're seeing is is the mail-in ballots, uh, absentee ballot stuff. There's, yeah. uh, I'm seeing some that are like you know, three or 40 precincts. So not really, I, I don't, hopefully here shortly, and I'm just refreshing to, to see. Um, it's still, look, still looking about the same, so. Uh, I was noticing are, the same grant. Yeah, it doesn't look right. like the, the actual precincts are, are reporting yet, so we might be a little bit um, premature there. But I hope you can stick around because we would like to come back to you once we have some actual data and report on some of these um, races that our, our teams have been so active in. We will certainly do, and thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's going to be a big night, America, a big night. <laughs> Amen to that. Thanks, Grant. Thank you, Grant. We'll see you soon. Uh, so now we're going to bring on Andrew Barkman, who is the Block Walk Coordinator for Convention of States. Uh, Andrew, it's a pleasure to have you with us tonight. Uh, this is a relatively new department for Convention of States, being able to have a, our grassroots go out and do block walking. And it really started with you. This was your brainchild. Can you share your story, and how you got plugged in with Convention of States, and how this block walking phenomenon, phenomenon has kind of just really taken off for Convention of States, and maybe speak to how successful it's been since we implemented it? Yeah, thank you. I am uh, super stoked to be here tonight. I love you guys, and I think this is phenomenal. I think COS is the place you should come for election results for numerous reasons, one of them being that we are covering races that nobody else is covering, another being that we have the volunteers in the races. So this isn't just people talking about esoteric ideas about the philosophies of government. This is us, our people who have been actively involved in these races, including block walking, uh, which is really something that uh, is, is, like you said, new to us. The quick, quick story on me, I actually block walked with a pro-life group back in early 2018. And that was the beginning of my active activism, if you will, in politics. I've been paying attention for a long time, uh, but that was a, a big moment for me where I actually took action to lead to results. And um, I think the thing that's really cool to me this year, I know this might be slightly off topic, but this year is the year that Roe v. Wade was overturned, which was huge. And throughout my entire life, people said, oh, don't touch that. You touch that, that's going to lead to a loss in the midterms or whatever. And we have seen that that did not matter. So I think everybody should pay attention to that. And I think also, if you really look back, even at 2020, a little bit before that, that was a big issue. The people who realized that that was an important issue. And that means that people care about real things. They care about people. They care about lives. They care about their own lives, their families, their children. These are important. And what we're seeing here is that, that people are stepping up. And what you're seeing with Convention of States is this is the beginning of what we can do. So what did I do? I basically had been block walking. And as I came into uh, Convention of States, I came in as a district captain. Many people probably on this call are a district captain and your role as a district captain is you are leading the COS mission in your house district within the house district of your 
state legislature. And so it's a, you know, the smallest area related to a state. And this is a really important thing because one of the beauties of what Convention of States has done is we have developed volunteers and leaders, uh, but we definitely have volunteers in every house district in the country. This is amazing. This is something no one else has. Another thing that's cool is this is what the founders came up with, right? They wanted the states to be able to be able to check the power of the federal government. And who did they think was the best group to do that? It was the state legislatures. It was the group that's the closestly tied to their own constituents. And in state races, these people live and work in the state, in the district that, that you're in, in your state. So they're truly local. You can get to know them. You can build a relationship with them. And when you take action, i.e. block walking, what Grant was talking about, making phone calls, sending texts, when, when the people in an area actually get involved, well, it's really just us talking to our neighbors. We all get on the same page and the will of the people will happen. We, the people can make the change in our country and it does happen locally. It's beautiful. And so anyway, block walking, what, what is this guy talking about? What, what are these things? Block walking is simply, we go out to neighborhoods and we talk to people about the things that we care about. We talk to our neighbors about the way that we can work together to save our country. And what's really cool when you do this, so first off, it's face-to-face. -face. That's the number one form of communication to this day. It's very wholesome. You know, you're talking to people. In fact, we only talk to people that want to talk to us. So if somebody doesn't want to talk to us, we leave. I'm not going to waste my time with somebody that's not interested. Uh, so we go, to our, we go to our neighbors. We tell them about Convention of States. Many people to this day have not heard about Convention of States. So we're bringing them new information that is just it shows them that there is a peaceful legal way to save our country and really all it takes is that all of us get together we all want it to happen and then the legislators will respond to that they definitely respond when they see a group of people who are organized and taking taking action that leads to results and so what block walking is is all of those things we get together as a group we go to a neighborhood we knock on doors, we talk to the people who are willing to talk to us, we tell them about Convention of States. And then obviously in this, this year, we've been more active in elections. The line I'll draw is normally we go out and just talk about Convention of States. This year we have gotten more and more active than we've ever been before actually in races. And this is the thing that has the biggest impact on people taking action at the polls, right? A face-to-face -face conversation where you tell people about a candidate that shares their values and then give them something they can do. At a minimum, they can show up and vote. And so I just think this is amazing. Hopefully that answers your question. And I definitely am down to talk about block walking or anything else related to convention of states, or I think the num numerous wins we're gonna get tonight. And that comes directly from the efforts of our grassroots volunteers. And so if anybody on this call is a grassroots volunteer that made a phone call, sent a text message, sent an email, went out block walking, I personally thank you. You are the beginning of the movement that's saving our country. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Andrew. We love having you and your block walking energy. It's so important. And I know we have our, a couple of our reporters, Jackson and Lana, are waiting to give our viewers an update on what's happening nationally. But Andrew, I'd like to come back to you a little bit later in the program so you can talk more about block walking and 
how people can get involved with that. So hopefully you can stick around a little bit. Yes. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm here. So I uh, can't wait. This is awesome. And uh, I look forward to it. Great. Okay. So we have Lana and Jackson back and they are keeping an eye on the national scene and how things de are developing nationwide so that Andrew and I focus more on the state legislative elections. So Lana, I think we want to go to you first. What are you seeing? Yeah. So I've seen a couple things so far right now with Senate. Um, we have the Alabama Senate the Florida, both Oklahoma and Air Arkansas have all one Republican. And then Maryland and Illinois and Connecticut have one Democrat. That's as far as Senate, U.S. Senate. And moving on to governors, we have some big news for a lot of DeSantis fans. DeSantis has won. Florida and is reelected, Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, and New Hampshire have one Republican, and then Illinois and Maryland have one Democrat. Wow, Lana, those are some uh, really great developing elections, and some. And it's great that we have so many that are called early. And again, with uh, all of the Governor DeSantis uh, fans out there, Governor DeSantis is a uh, endorser of Convention of States, so that's really cool to hear that. Uh, Jackson, what other elections do you have your eyes on right now? Yeah, well, obviously we're still watching all the big races on the East Coast right now, Pennsylvania, Georgia, North Carolina, Ohio, etc. Um, but just some interesting trends we're seeing uh, right now. One, there's a key race in um, Virginia, just outside of D.C., across the Potomac, um, where there's a Republican uh, leading that race in something that was polled um, largely Democrat uh, is now super close. It was supposed to be polled as plus one Democrat, um, but now the Republican is leading by 11 points with a substantial amount of the vote in. And that's actually something that is happening um, throughout Virginia right now in three or four House races there. So we'll keep an eye on that. Another big thing right now is in Florida, looking at some of the trends there, Miami-Dade County, something that's been a Democrat stronghold for years. We've heard about this rumor um, coming into the election, um, but it has gone uh, very far um, to the right compared to where it was. So now it's um, a Republican county right now. Um, this is something that DeSantis lost uh, by a lot, but now Republicans are winning it. And also just as broader um, in Florida, uh, Rubio is uh, winning by plus 15 in Florida right now. DeSantis is winning by plus 17 with over 80% of the vote in. Um, even if those don't hold exactly, this is something that is a huge uh, change in Florida from where we were at just a few years ago with DeSantis barely winning that race um, just four years ago. So huge trends right now. Uh, definitely from the, from the beginning here, it looks like um, a little bit of a red wave in Florida and the Latino vote in Florida um, is really picking up for Republicans, especially in South Florida. Um, another county down there right outside Miami-Dade County was plus two or plus 12 Biden um, two years ago and is now plus two Republican. So um, amazing things going on in Florida right now. Wow, that's great. This is a really 
<laughs> exciting night. I, this is so much fun that we get to be here and do this. And um, Jackson and Lana, thank you so much for doing your reporting of what you're doing. So again, we can stay focused on those state legislative elections. And we'll be coming back to you in a little while for more news on the national front. Uh, Rita, I want to go back to what uh, Jackson was reporting, because I think it really can give us an early indication of how the night is going to go. Uh, he said that uh, Governor DeSantis run his, uh, won his reelection, and right now he's at plus 17. What is your make of that? Plus 17 in that state. He, he narrowly won uh, to, uh, when, he went, when, he, when he went against Andrew Gillum by only a few points. So now he's at plus 17. What do you think that says about him and just where we're going to go for the rest of the night? Yeah, I, I think it says he's doing an amazing job and people want to be free. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's an exciting night to be sure. Um Yeah, I producer G is saying we do still have Andrew Barkman on okay. hold. So let's bring back Andrew because I, I want Andrew to tell our uh, audience what do if they want to be involved in block walking. Do you have to have any special kind of skills or abilities? Do we offer training for people who are interested in that? Andrew, how do people get involved? Yeah, those are uh, great questions. So uh, generally, we would say you need basically no training, uh, that block walking is so easy that almost anyone can do it. We jokingly say if you can walk and you can talk, you can block walk. And so literally, it is very, very easy. Uh, in essence, I'm going to kind of describe it to you right now. We would go up to a house, we knock on a door. If you don't hear anything, if you don't hear, a, you know, a, I'm sorry, technically, we would ring a bell. If you don't hear anything, you don't hear dogs barking, you don't hear a bell, then we would knock. We wait about a seven Mississippi. If someone comes to the door, we have a script. So a lot of people are worried about what would I say at the door to this person? And uh, we actually have a script that we follow. It's very basic. It covers the, the basic concept of convention estates because this is the first conversation that most people have had. It's the first time the person at the door is hearing about convention estates. So we have a script that's very easy to learn, easy to say, easy for the person at the door to understand and digest. And so anyway, we have a script. You just basically follow that. Obviously, you can put it in your own words, uh, but that part is very easy. At the end of the script, if the people like what we're talking about, if they like the concept of we the people through the states limiting the power of the federal government on things like term limits, on things like fiscal restraints, on overall scope and power of the federal government. Where are decisions made? Are most decisions made locally or by people far away that have no connection to the area you're in? These are all very common sense topics that most people understand and agree with. And so if they agree with it, by the way, about 80, 90% of the people we talk to love what we're talking about. So if somebody loves what we're talking about, we'll ask them if they'll sign the petition. And so right there at the door, people can sign the petition. Now, some people are not ready to sign the petition and that's okay. Nothing we do is pressure. We're the complete opposite of tyranny. We tell you about an idea, we communicate an idea and we ask you to join us if you like it, but everything is at will. And that's the way it ought to be. So we offer people the chance to sign the petition. If they do great, 
whether they do or not, we have a leave behind. We have a block walking card that, again, explains the basic concept of Washington's broken, the three main areas that we're trying to get the states together to have communication about, and a QR code where they can go to the website, sign the petition later if they want. So simple recap. We ring a doorbell, knock on a door. If someone comes, we talk to them. If they like what we're talking about, we offer them a petition and either Either way, we hand them a leave behind that gives them a way to contact us or go to our website in the future. Now, if no one comes to a door, we just take that same leave behind and basically slide it in the door. So everybody on this call is now trained to block walk. <laughs> That's how complicated it is. And uh, But to, to even put yourself more at ease, a lot of times we have a captain somewhere that already knows how to block walk and we can put you with them. Anytime somebody's brand new, we usually try to put them with a veteran who's been out before. And so the first 30 minutes that we're out in a neighborhood, the newbie is just literally shadowing someone like me. They get to see me ring the doorbell. They get to hear me say the script. They get to see me give the leave behind all that good stuff. And so even when somebody's brand new and knows nothing, uh, they can they can read the script ahead of time. We have a training video. I think that's what Rita was getting at. We have a, a video that's five or six minutes in COS University. You do have to have a conventionofstates.com account to see that. But anyone with a conventionofstates.com account has access to our four introductory courses. The fourth one, Volume 100, Introduction to Volunteering, has a bunch of great videos. There's also Module 2. It's the second part. There's one video in there, block walking best practices. And the whole point of that video is that somebody who is brand new can see what it's like in a neighborhood, what we do. They actually hear the script. And if you scroll below the video, we have our legal guidelines. They'll keep you out of trouble. We have the script. So you know what you're going to say. And we even have like a newbie checklist. That's like wear comfy shoes, bring water. So uh, for someone who's brand new, you can watch a five, six minute video that'll teach you already visually. You'll get to see what it's like to be in a neighborhood. And then you come and meet up with an existing COS supporter and you would shadow us for the first part of the day. So you literally need to know almost nothing. You do not need to be a constitutional scholar. You do not need to be a legal expert. You do not need to have a political background. This is something that anyone can do. So, so again, we have a script, so you don't have to worry about what to say. We will teach you. So if you're willing, I again, invite you, join us, come with me, come with one of our volunteers. We will give you all the information ahead of time and you will get to in-person shadow us before you actually have to do anything. When you do, it's super simple. What I described earlier, you knock a door, you say a script. If they like it, you offer them the petition. If they don't or they do, you hand them the little leave behind. Boom, you're done. I deputize everyone on this call to be a block walker. Mm. <laughs> that is just so awesome to hear how easy it is to block walk and you have you just have such great passion for this andrew uh thank you so much for kind of walking our viewers through how easy this process is and more importantly how effective it can be uh we're going to go over to bill scott uh, from ohio he's got some breaking news bill tell us what you're seeing okay uh we had about 15 races that we were involved with with the get out the vote effort in ohio which is quite a few uh, it was about three Senate races and 12 uh, House races. And um, between Rita and our lobbyist and, and our team, um, the, the races that were selected to, uh, to get involved with, get out the vote, tended to be mostly there um, where there would be a pickup or where there was an open seat, uh, not so much the incumbents. So uh, I guess I would characterize these races as uh, 
gravy if we get them. Um, but uh, right now, uh, of those 15 races, there's only two where the Republicans uh, are going to be uh, uh, holding their, their seats. Uh, Senator Rooley in Senate District 33 is uh, comfortably ahead, uh, about 65% to 35%. He is one of our um, uh, Senate sponsors, so that's good news. <clears throat> Another um, um, positive one is a, a new seat for Roy Klopstein, his House District 82, Northwest Ohio in the Toledo area. This is a seat that was vacated by our our current House sponsor, who uh, is still with us, but did not run for his seat. He decided to run for U.S. Congress and was defeated by uh, uh, J.R. Majewski, who is pretty famous nationally because he was endorsed by Trump. And he carved a big Trump sign in his front yard that you could see from the jet as he was flying in. So that's the seat we're talking about. It looks like Mr. Klopstein is uh, pretty comfortably ahead. 73% to 26 in that, uh, in that seat. So uh, we're still early. It looks like the average um, seat is about 12 to 13,000 votes, some 15,000. So that's roughly 20% of the vote. So it's not a lot. However, yeah, um, yeah go ahead, Rita. Bill, I was just going to say from what I can tell on the website, it looks like about an eighth of the precincts are reporting their data so far. So the night is still young. We yes. don't know how these races will end up. So let this be a teaser. Um, it, it's a great, it's a great story because like you said, Bill, most of these races that our grassroots have been involved in, in Ohio, we're, we're supporting the underdog. You know, yes. we're trying to pick up seats and a lot of them are long shots. But yep. again, the night is still young. And so we will continue to refresh our screens and wait for more precincts to be reporting their data. Um, so, yeah, we will we will stay tuned. And Bill, I don't know how long you can stick around and be on standby, but we'd love to talk to you more later if you're available. We will do that. And, and from a positive point of view. Uh, this time during the uh, Trump-Biden uh, election, Trump was actually uh, slightly behind Biden at the close of, of the polls. And then when the night was over, uh, Trump won Ohio by eight points. So uh, the Republican vote comes in uh, late and gets counted late. And a lot of the um, uh, turn-in votes of the mail-in are about 28% up in this election over the same midterm election two years ago. So I think you're seeing a lot of that uh, early Democrat vote coming out through mail-in. Yeah, I think that's right, Bill. So we will all stay tuned. I'm on the edge of my seat to see what's going to happen in those Ohio races. So hopefully we can come back to you a little bit later. Producer uh, G tells us that we have uh, waiting now Jillian Evans, who is our advertising coordinator for uh, Convention of States. She's on the national staff. Jillian, it's great to have you with us. Uh, North Carolina is a, a key state. We we want it to be the 20th state to pass our resolution. Can you tell us, you know, as the the uh, the advertising coordinator for Convention of States, what type of advertising did we do in North Carolina? Hi. Yeah. So um, my position is new. Um, so it's been kind of a learning experience figuring out, okay, 
how can I work with the state teams who are so amazing and what they do. They know the area, they know the regions. Um, so me just trying to be a resource, my main goal is how can I come along and help them? Um, and so what I did specifically for North Carolina was um, I set up a lot of radio ads. So we had five different stations for six different candidates and we had over 120 ads go out in the last seven days. And with specific candidates in mind, specific districts that I worked with Grant and Martin on, um, and Rita and uh, Jeff Groh as well, and Jeff Kilgreen. And so there was a lot of us that came together and collaborated on, okay, what stations would have the best reach for this? Um, you know, where are a lot of our listeners going to be at? Where can we reach new people at too? Um, just to try and, and endorse these candidates that also support COS and that could help turn that election. So North Carolina, we did those radio ads, um, but we also have two other harvest states like Ohio and Pennsylvania that we didn't do specific election related um, activity for, but we've been really active in those states with advertising promotions as well. Um, specifically Ohio, like we have a lot of like digital ads right now with Ohio. And um, it'll be exciting to see when the legislation, uh, legislative session comes back in, what, like mid-November, um, to see a lot of that pick up. And so hopefully um, we can have some impact with that, too. Jillian, tell us a little bit about why this type of strategy is so important. Why, 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 do, why should we do radio ads and why should we uh, do these type of advertisement that is targeted in specific areas in North Carolina? How is this going to benefit us in getting North Carolina passed? Um, so it's all about like how many touch points you can have with people because um, you never know what seed is going to take root, right? So it's like you don't know if this ad's going to get it or maybe two days from now they hear another ad, but then maybe they see, you know, an ad pop up on their phone too. And then maybe a friend comes and says, hey, have you heard about COS or Andrew and his block walking team and come and leave a pamphlet on their door? Like there's so many different touch points that you have um, in the funnel, right? The advertising funnel. Um, and so this is just one key way of scattering those seeds where you don't know who you're going to hit. You don't know how you're going to hit them, but you are getting your message out there um, in ways that you can, you'll never know, but you know it's getting out. And it's just, it might be the start for somebody. Um, and it's a mass way to get a message out as well. And it's consistent. It's the same ad over and over and over. Um, so it's just, it's a great way for mass production of getting your message out um, that then you can hopefully follow up with, like with more personalized means of communication and emails and social media ads that are more targeted. Um, but it is just like one step of this multifaceted process of reaching people and informing them and getting the COS name out. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jillian. Um, I understand producer G has Jason Gerard with us. Um, Jason is our director of the grassroots department. And so he has a huge job. And I know, Jason, you've been blown away, as have we all, at the incredible amount of work our grassroots teams have done across the nation. You know, they have been involved since, you know, primary season and have continued to be involved through the general election season. Um, what is your reaction, Jason, so far to the results that you're, you're hearing or seeing? Yeah, well, it seems like we're seeing a lot of what the grassroots were kind of anticipating. Uh, there's kind of been like the way I would describe it is a cautious optimism 
where we're really excited about what we're looking forward to and what we're expecting to come out of this election, but not getting overly enthusiastic, thinking that it's going to be like everything is going to go exactly the way we want it to. We realize that America has not gotten to the point that it's in today over in just one election. This is a long term battle that we're in. So I think we're really seeing that. And I think we're going to see that play out tonight. We're going to see a lot of progress because there has been, like you you mentioned, Rita, just and we've heard all tonight, just incredible work happening by our teams all across the board. And our teams know they know that this is we're, we're in this for the long haul. It's not just about this election. Uh, this is one of many that we're going to have to win and we're going to have to see forward progress and to really see America turn to back to its founding principles, back to self-governance and to get to convention. That's right. Jason, what are some of the strategies that you have heard about among the grassroots teams? What, what are some of the ways they have planned to make an impact in their states through the elections? Yeah, so we're, we're involved at every level we possibly can legally. So every state is different in terms of what we're allowed to do as far as, you know, just each state. This is federalism, right? We've got each state has its own unique set of laws. So in some states, we're able to actually be involved in campaigning for candidates that are pro-COS. And I, we've already heard about some of that tonight. And that's really exciting. Our, our teams love doing that. And other areas we're doing get out the vote. But to your point, Rita, and what you're asking about there, the strategy element is something that we take very seriously. Uh, here at the Convention of States, as has been mentioned earlier tonight, we're an organization that's about action. We're not just about building an email list or a social media following. We're about taking tangible action that's really going to have an impact in saving our country. So we've really tried to be very strategic. One of the things that we, we look to with the get out the vote efforts that we do is we want to do as much as we legally can. We want to target like-minded voters. We want to be able to really zone in on those people who share our values, and we want to get them out to the polls. Uh, when you think about, I'm sorry, we want to get them out to, to vote. And when you think about, um, you know, midterm elections, you talk to any expert, they're going to tell you the same thing, and that is that midterm elections are turnout elections. And so this is one of the reasons why get out the vote has been such an emphasis of ours. But, but another thing we do strategically as well is we're not just focused on trying to find those people who are, are like-minded, who align with our values and get them out, make sure that they're out there voting. But we also do a lot of research to identify voters that are less likely to vote. These are people that are registered to vote and maybe they vote voted in, in a few of the last several elections, but they're not not always there. You're not, they're not kind of that constant presence where you look at the record and it's like, oh, well, this person, they vote every single time. So making a phone call to them is not going to be quite as effective as making a phone call or sending a text message to someone who's not as likely to, you know, just their track record is that they're there sometimes and they're there and they're not there others. So we want to especially zone in on those people and make sure that we're getting them to the polls and we're getting them engaged. One other thing I'll just say that is always really exciting to hear. I love talking to the grassroots. I love hearing their stories about the calls they're making, the people that they're talking to. And I was really blown away. You know, when you think about get out the vote, a lot of it's a numbers game, right? You're calling, you're calling, you're calling. And our grassroots have called tens of thousands of people and in, in all of these different races. But it has been great to hear some of the feedback. Uh, people who are saying, you know what, every person I talk to says that they're they're getting out to vote. When I ask them, are you going to go vote in this election? They're saying, yes, I didn't have a single person that said they're not going to vote. So that has been some really positive feedback that we've heard. 
Another really positive thing is we've had people ask us and ask our volunteers and say, what is Convention of States action? What are you guys all about? How can I get more involved? And that is really exciting too, because not only are we getting people out to, to vote, but they're, they're getting curious and they're saying, wow, someone took the time to give me a call. This is obviously very important to them. Maybe I should be more involved as well. So I think we're seeing some really exciting things happen as the American people wake up and get more involved. Jason, just a moment ago, you were talking about, you know, stories and your connection to the grassroots and, you know, just uh, how involved uh, they are in the selection. Can you can you tell us just some some stories of those heroes that are out there? Anything that comes to mind, just a cool story about a grassroots volunteer and just how they're making a difference in the fight for liberty? Yeah, well, there are so many and I'm blessed to be, uh, as it was kind of mentioned, at kind of a high level. I get to see a lot of uh, little things happening here and there, but maybe one particular story I can zoom on, zoom in on one particular person I can highlight is Joanne Martin, who's one of our district captains in Texas, and she has built one of the largest district teams that we have. She has around 50 active volunteers that are there in her district working with her as they work to educate people about convention of states, to, to educate people in constitutional literacy, to get them involved and engaged. So not only has she built this incredible team, and, and you know that's not just something that has happened in the last few months. This is something she's been at for a long time. You know, we're not just uh, an organization that's around come election time. Uh, for those of you who are maybe tuning in and you're saying, I don't really know about Convention of States. I haven't heard about this. I'm just looking to get some election coverage. We're, we're here all the time in this fight because we know that it's not just about the election. It's a year-round battle that we are in to save America. So Joanne has modeled that incredibly well. And not only that, she has also been really involved with candidates. Um, she has been reaching out to the candidates, the people running for office there in her in her district, and not just her district, but surrounding districts. She has had several legislators that she's been able to get to pledge their support for Convention of States and several candidates that she's been able to get to sign on and say, I will support Convention of States if I'm elected. And th that is just incredibly exciting. But even on top of that, and this is our volunteers for you. You know, I can tell you, we, you know, we're kind of stacking all of these things that she's involved in. This is so true for so many of our volunteers. They wear many hats. They do many, many different things. And not only that, she was at the polls today as a poll watcher. So this is just a great example of our grassroots. This is what they do. They find a niche. They, they, they get involved and they continue to grow in their ability. You know, here at, at Convention of States, we love to tell people we want to help you invest whatever time you have, whatever time you have that you want to invest in saving the country. We want to help you do that as effectively as possible. Whether you have 20 minutes a month or you have 20 hours a week, you can make a difference and we will train you how to do that. Mm. Jason, thanks so much for making that point because it's such a great and important one. We have put so much work into this election and, you know, as much work as we've put into it, we've been really focused on it for the past, you know, few months or so. There's been so much anticipation, but we are an organization of activists all year long, not just in an election year, not just an election season. Why is it so important for our viewers to not just sit back after today's races? What should we be doing as self-governing citizens in the months ahead? 
Absolutely. Well, let me let me just start by saying this to all of our grassroots out there that have worked so incredibly hard. I want to start by just encouraging you to take a breather, uh, recover. <laughs> you all have worked so hard. And regardless of what the results are, here's here's something that we know at Convention of States. Like I've mentioned several times already that, you know, you, I'm, you know, I'm preaching to the choir with this, but it's so important. This is the long term battle. And regardless of the results, what, what does Mark always tell us? We do the work and the results are up to, to God. And we work hard. We do everything we can. At the end of the day, we don't have control over the results. That's in God's hands. But we want to be faithful. We want to do our duty. And that's really something that we care about. And you can find great satisfaction in just knowing that you all have worked so hard. You have done such amazing work. And it's kind of like this. I, I think about this illustration sometimes. If you're on a professional sports team, and uh, this is, I think, unfortunately, how a lot of Americans are. Uh, you know, I don't want to practice because the practice doesn't count. Like, it's not like the game. And then they get to the game and the game, you know, they're, they're, the first game comes up and it's against a really hard team that, you know, they're not really stacked to win against. So they say, ah, I don't even want to play this game because, you know, there's no way that we could possibly win. This team's way better than us. So I'm just going to sit on the sidelines. I'm not going to be engaged. Well, guess what? If you don't practice and you don't play the games, even the ones that you might not win, you don't get better and you don't win long term. When it comes to the tournament, you haven't won a single game. So here at Convention of States, we know that every single call matters. Every race, every bit of engagement is a critical part of the long-term fight to, to save America. So I just want to encourage the grassroots with that. But but something that Andrew mentioned that we tell each other back and forth all the time here is that we're just getting started. Two years ago, as an organization, we got involved in a bunch of elections. Uh, I think it was around, it was over 200. And now this year, it's over 400. We more than doubled what we did two years ago. We are just getting started. And you can almost think about, you know, it's kind of mentioned, uh, I think Rick Green was talking about this, that this is kind of almost like the drafting period, right? We, we kind of, we got our players, we're going to figure out what the field is look like, what the field of play is going to look like. And now we got to go into spring training because come January, legislative season is coming. And that's, that's really game time for so many of our states uh, once, once the, the new year comes up. So we do need to be in the fight. We do need to be vigilant. Definitely take that rest. Don't overexert yourself. Know this is a marathon and you can't just be sprinting. Uh, but, but at the same time, yeah, like you said, Rita, we've got to be ready for what's next. And legislative season is right around the corner. Mm. Jason, thank you so much for coming on and giving some inspiration, talking about all that we're doing uh, right now across the nation, how we've just improved from 2020 and where we're at now and where we're going. It's, it's just amazing to see how effective and how engaged our grassroots is. It's something that no other organization has the level of activism that we have. It's just inspiring to hear it from you and to hear it from our grassroots. So thank you for joining us, Jason. Uh, Rita, I think producer G says he's got Mark coming in. I don't know if producer G has him lined up quite yet, but we are waiting no, for Mark. Mark to come in. No Mark, no yet. Mark okay. yet. No Mark <laughs> yet. I think, however, we do have Catherine Zamanik. Is that right? Yeah, there's Hello. Catherine. Hi. So Catherine is our regional, one of our regional directors on the national staff. And she has a number of states that we are watching tonight, including, well, where do I start? Iowa, 
um, Minnesota, Ohio. Catherine, what do you want to tell us about? Well, first of all, this is kind of fun. I've got my phone over here. I've got my iPad over here. I've got my laptop in front of me, and I'm trying to watch all these Secretary of State um, websites and, and get some results for you. But one of the races I want the viewers to really keep an eye on tonight is in Iowa, because our past state director for Convention of States, Sarah Abdush, is running for House District 20 in Iowa. And, and we are just cheering on Sarah tonight. We hope that she is victorious. So keep an eye on that race. Um, if we have reports, I know George is our guy on the ground there and we will definitely give a report on Sarah's race as soon as we can. Um, Bill was on talking about Ohio. The um, Minnesota state directors, both of them worked the uh, election tonight. Amy's been trying to get on. Hopefully we'll get a report from Amy um, as soon as she can get through. But uh, yeah, this is really, for me, it's a nail biter because I've got so many races that I'm keeping an eye on and I'm so excited to move forward. You know, if we get flip Minnesota, it's going to mean so much for Convention of States. Uh, as Rita mentioned earlier, Iowa is going to be so important in the 2023 session, and we feel really confident about that. And then, of course, Ohio is still in the mix uh, to pass this year. So, my gosh, I am a busy, busy regional director right now, and I'm loving it. All of my grassroots that are out there, I just want to say thank you. I had so many who have worked the election tonight as poll watchers, poll challengers, and uh, they're, they're just an amazing crew. Like Grant said earlier, we've had them doing telepatriot calls. We had them using the new texting app. We've had them knocking on doors. So they've just done a phenomenal job in my region, Rita and Andrew. And I'm so proud of all the work they're doing. Yeah, Catherine, can you just share a little bit just like what the team has been doing? Um, you, you talked about how this is a nail biter and the, the results, you know, they, they're still coming in. So it's going to be a long night. But just tell us, you know, what the team did to prepare for tonight and just kind of how active and engaged they were in your region. Sure. So it's all been about building relationships with those legislators, right? Making sure they understand, and the candidates, obviously, they understand what Convention of States is all about. So they've been out there building those relationships with candidates, with legislators, et cetera. And they've been going to events, you know, showing up. It, it really is about rubbing elbows with folks and, and just... Um, letting them know that the convention of states is an important issue to them and they're all about saving the country and uh, they have just worked so incredibly hard over the last my gosh six months going into this election uh, i can't say enough about not just uh, the three states we've talked about but also um, wisconsin those folks even though we passed this year they've been watching making sure that they get the right people elected in wisconsin um, out in Idaho, they're working hard and, um, you know, we're going to see amazing things in my region come 2023. So I'm super excited about that. Well, we are excited too, Catherine, and I don't know how long you can stick around, but we'd love to come back to you a little bit later in the evening as more precincts report their data. And maybe we can talk about how candidates did in some specific races where our teams were active. But thanks for that report, and hopefully we'll talk to you again a little later.
All right, standing by. I'm watching uh, all these races. Um, hopefully, I'll, I'll have some news soon. Thanks, guys. Great. Thank you, Catherine. And Andrew, I understand we are going back to Jackson Allen for an update on the national situation. Jackson, what do you have for us? How's it going, guys? Well, we don't have any new breaking news yet. Um, just one piece of news out of Texas. Governor Abbott has won re-election, um, defeating Beto O'Rourke. Um, other than that, just mainly looking at the um, trends right now across the country, um, Colorado, which was one that was leaning Democrat, um, their governor, uh, Jared Polis, has won re-election there. And, but the Senate seat is still up for grabs there. Um, the incumbent, Bennett, um, is leading right now. And with the governor winning, it seems like that one is trending uh, in their direction. Outside of that, obviously, like we've been talking about all night, uh, we have North Carolina, Georgia, Ohio, um, that are big Senate races on the East Coast, Pennsylvania as well. The one that I think is really interesting is North Carolina right now. Um, Sherry Beasley was up there, um, and now there's a pretty substantial amount of the vote in, but the Republican Ted Budd uh, has pulled away into the lead right now there. Um, so we're waiting on some of the counties to report. It looks like there's still a lot of rural counties uh, that tend to break Republican in North Carolina that uh, still need to report quite a bit. And the same is true in Georgia right now as well. I'm still waiting on some of those counties outside the city um, to uh, get their reports in. Um, similarly, in Ohio, um, that race is really close right now between J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan. Um, it doesn't it looks like maybe um, some of the counties that Trump won big in Ohio aren't breaking as well for J.D. Vance right now. Um, so he will probably need to look to pull some support in other places, but he should have a little bit of a cushion. And going into the night, he's really pulled away in the polls um, coming into tonight with um, as much as a 10 point lead in some uh, polls. So. Um, lots to watch there. Um, one just note, I don't know if we have our Senate graphic up, but um, Republicans basically with the, the seat, with the Senate seats that are kind of up for grabs right now, they need uh, four to get to 55 to get over to 51. Um, and that includes Arizona, uh, North Carolina, Georgia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, which is um, very close right now with the incumbent Johnson up there. Um, so Republicans have um quite a bit um, that they can pull from right here. We, they have no flips yet, as you can see there. Um, there's no, there's been no gains yet. But if you factor in the states that are likely to go Republican, they're just looking for about four or five of the um, contested Senate seats right now. So no, no big breaking news right now, um, other than uh, Governor Abbott has won re-election in Texas. Um, but just watching those trends right now and um, some very close races on the East Coast for the Senate. Well, Jackson, it's still really early, but thank you for giving us those updates. Uh, I know that you're going to come back with some more information in a little bit. Uh, thank you. Rita, um, I think Producer G has a graphic that he's going to put up for us. Um, we have some results to talk about when it comes to North Carolina, don't we? Yeah, I think. I think we do have some results to talk about in North Carolina, and I know I don't know if we have Grant Martin back on yet to talk about those results with us. Um, while we wait to get Grant back on, I can tell you that, goodness, we have been talking and reporting on so many things. Polls have closed in a whole new slate of states now. Close, polls are now closed in Iowa, 
Minnesota, Wyoming, Colorado, and Nevada. So a bunch more, you know, some of these pivotal states and more coming up. We are working to get you as much data as we can as it comes in. I have been, I'm not sure which um, graphic producer G has, but while we're waiting for Grant Martin, I have been um, watching some of these races. And you can see there on the graphic that he shows um, for House District 2, um, which is one of the races that our team was was very involved in on, on behalf of the COS supportive candidate there. Gary Yarbrough. And if you look up to the top there, you can see 11 of 19 precincts reporting. So it amount, but it's still a long way from over. But you do see um, in House District 2 there, the candidate Larry Yarbrough, whom our team worked hard to support. He is a Convention of States supporter. Um, so we'd be super happy to see him win that seat. I can tell you in a couple of other North Carolina races we've been watching, Senate District 24, for instance, um, that's Danny Britt. That is a district that was redistricted, became a really tough race for him. He is ahead so far. I see we have Grant back. Grant, what do you have for us? Hey guys, it's great to be be back with you. I want to kind of key in on one race here in the house, in House District 25. It's Alan Chesser, and one of the main reasons why I want to focus on that is uh, first off, uh, you know, and you'll see this uh, uh, just like with the federal races where the uh, the Democrat typically leads with the, the mail-in ballots. But Allen was down pretty good, but he's uh, now we're getting about half half the precincts reported. He's he's got a pretty good lead now. The really neat thing about that is he's a former member of the COS team in, in North Carolina. So hopefully we're going to have the next our next COS person that's become a a, represent, a sitting representative. So really excited about that. And I, I think as you. When you look through these, you know, there's still a lot of early results, but you see the trends. It, it, you know, the, the some of our ones that we've been supporting start out behind, but they're they're really making gains as the precincts are coming in, day of voting, and uh, I think it's I think it's going to be a good night. You know, we're we're uh, fingers crossed, and uh, you know, it's it's a nail biter. There, there's going to be a lot of close, tight ones, uh, but hey. That's that's what makes it fun and exciting, right? Mm. Absolutely. Grant, I have to ask, are you in contact with the members of the North Carolina team? And are they excited about what they're seeing? I, I have not been in, in touch with them right now because I've been watching these, these poll results to be able to try and report in. in you. I, I know we had Jeff on a little bit earlier and I know the audio wasn't the best, but I know the team is, is just over the moon. I, I know that they're very anxious to see see what their efforts uh, lead to tonight. They're you know, someone we might not know until tomorrow, but I know the team is very excited and, and they're very, very proud of their efforts, as they should be. I mean, I'm just over the moon with what, what they have done. And I assure you it will be it will be noticed in the legislature. We'll just we'll just put it that way. 
and Grant, you know, the entire COS family, every single state team, they're over the moon with you. I know the North Carolina team has put in just so much work and they, you know, they put it all on the table. And so now we just have to sit back and wait. Like you said, it's going to be a nail biter, but you know what? The results are not and the North Carolina team, will they put in the wall we can ask them to do. With that, Amen. we do have Mark Meckler with us. Grant, thank you for joining us. We'll be we'll have you back in a little bit. Mark, it's great to see you. You're coming in live from the Daily Wire uh, studio. Tell us, what is it like to be there right now? That's really awesome. This is uh, Daily Wire. This is the Crane & Co. studio, so that's not being used right now. The sports show, the main it's pretty exciting here, you know. It's just backstage live is on Ben Shapiro. Jeremy's here, hung out with Michael with Knowles. He's actually it turns out he's really into convention estates, which was pretty cool. I had a 10-minute meeting hour meeting, Patty and I sitting there just enjoying the company. So that's gonna be a really good connection. Only connected with him now. So that means pretty much we're personally as COS connected with everybody here at the day. A bunch of people coming and going that you guys will probably know. Tra uh, Clay Travis was here from Outkick, got Bill Whittles backstage in the green room, hanging out with him. And then, of course, just all the hosts coming. Pretty excited. I'm also sitting with Robert Haley back in the green room. He's going on and off the air. I did it one back on. But it's great sitting next to the master, right, Kahaley, watching him watch the poll voting coming in. And what he's saying so far, which is really interesting to me, is no surprises. Much things are coming in as he expected. Uh, he expected a route in Florida and obviously that in Texas. And obviously that's what we've seen. Uh, to me, some of the interesting outliers, I don't know if uh, it looks like the Rhode Island House seat uh, is going to the Republicans. And that is a that went 14 points for the Democrats in the last cycle. And now it looks like it's a 12 point Republican. So that's a 26 point swing. A lot of what we're seeing when when there are victories, districts that went big for Democrats last time that are now going big for Republicans for what we would call the Republican wave or the tsunami. You know, Shapiro said you could eke out a victory or you could have a solid victory. You could have a wave victory right now. Now, I'm always hesitant to say that this early in the evening. Democrats are very good and they've been the idea that it's going to be a red wave going into the evening, but it's a mirage, they're calling it. Because overnight, that'll turn Democrats. So, of course, I'm worried about that. We have the shenanigans wanted to start the day. That's a little bit funky. But so far, it looks like the results are coming in looking that it's going to stick. You know, one of the things we have to expect is we should expect some cheating. The Democratic time, as you guys know, especially in places like Philadelphia. But what we see is if the margins big in way around the margins. And that's what I think we're going to see tonight. Uh, the one that I'm not sure about is the Oz-Fetterman race. I'm, I'm not comfortable with the outcome of that race yet. The good to me and the way I'm reading this, again, I'm listening to Haley. He's the expert. What he said, because he's four or five points behind Kemp uh, as the level of votes he's getting. If he's five points behind Kemp, that's phenomenal because Kemp is so far ahead. He said he's trailing Kemp. It's okay that he's trailing Kemp as long as he's not trailing Kemp by eight or two. The Walker race looks really good right now. Uh, what I haven't heard yet, I'm really interested to hear. I'm Baldock up in New Hampshire. I haven't heard any results from there yet. I'm really curious to see that one's a lot. The other thing that Kaylee pointed out, which he's been pointing out to me for weeks is, in, uh, do you want to watch how Ted Budd does in the research triangle, which is Raleigh-Durham area, very Democrat area. And if he was within four points, five points in that area, he was looking really good. And that's exactly where it came in four to five points or triangle area. So that means he looks really good in North Carolina. Everything I'm seeing across the board doesn't mean we're going to win everything, but right now everything's still 
points to a wave election. Thanks, Mark. As you know, Andrew and I are mainly focused tonight on the state legislative elections, and I know you care passionately about those as well. We just heard a few minutes ago Grant Martin talking about one of the candidates in North Carolina, Alan Chesser, who used to be a member of the Convention of States team. Now he is seeking yep. to be yep. a state legislator, and so far he is winning. And, you know, we have a couple more states in us, Sarah Abdouche is a candidate. She used to be our state director in Wyoming. We have Steve Doerr. He was our legislative liaison for years. Now he's running in a big race tonight. I want to know, Mark, how does that make you feel as the co-founder of Convention of States when you hear that? Yeah, for me, that's kind of the pinnacle of what we do, right? Because our goal is not just to call this to engage people in effective grassroots politics. And so the first part of that is that involved, they learn how to lobby their legislators, uh, they go to the legislature, they learn how. But after that, hopefully a certain percentage of people actually decide to run and, and they run for school, in this case, state legislatures. And we know this all over the country now, Rita, that we have folks that have run for the state legislature all over the country. In your own state of Virginia, obviously, we had the Virginia ended up swinging the House of Delegates. She was the last race to be counted. And that's so we have folks all over the country doing this. I hope that we see more and more of that. And I'm hoping next year it's a couple of dozen, uh, sorry, next cycle, a couple of dozen around the country. People who've been trained up through the Convention of States become a dominant force in state level American politics. Going back, Mark, to kind of like the uh, some of the federal elections, what do you think, you know, it's a little early to, to kind of draw any conclusions right now, but wh what do you think if we see these races go the way that we think they're going to go, what is it going to say about the country? And if it doesn't go the way we think it's going to go, what does that say about the country? Uh, well, sir, if it doesn't go the way we say it's going to go, what is we need a convention of states? Uh, and I would say if it goes the way we think it's going to go, it means even more we're going to. But what it also says, and I think this is really important for people to have hope, Joe Biden has really worked his black magic on the economies in the doldrums. Inflation is out of control. We're headed, we're in actual recession. Our foreign policy is an absolute mess. He inherited peace in the Middle East, chaos in the Middle East. We have Afghanistan withdrawal. I mean, it's just a disaster all over the world. We're seeing now as people are rejecting. And this is really what gives me so much hope. I, I know a lot of us in Convention of States, we travel a lot. We're with grassroots a lot. And so we know what people are, they're acting. And so I expected this rejection. I think what we're seeing is that wholesale rejection, military policies of the left. And I think that's a very good thing for the country. I think that's what we're Mark. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for a bit tonight. I know you need to keep doing your thing there at the Daily Wire studios, but thanks for taking the time out for us and have a good night. Absolutely. And <laughs> it's every, exciting. Everybody here, by the way, everybody Wire said to say hi. They're big fans of you guys. I had a bunch of compliments on the presence of Bruce at the Matt Walsh rally here at the Capitol. They know you're out there. They appreciate that. And they're glad to be locking arms with the Convention of States. So thanks for all the support. You guys make this possible. Thanks, Mark. And Andrew, I understand that we have none other than the great Michael Ferris standing by. Hey, Mike, welcome. Hey, Rita. It's great to talk to you. You too. Uh, uh, Michael, just to, to kind of get us going, I know we're a little early into the night and many races have not been called yet. And it's expected that the election results are not going to be finalized for, you know, several days in some places. But what are like, what's your initial reaction to some of the results that we are seeing in the first 
kind of few hours of the of tonight? Well, I'm very hopeful. Um, the um, I, you know I, I'm watching more of the congressional races and so on because I'm you guys are are rigged up to watch the state races and frankly for convention of states, which is obviously very very important to me, the state races are more important than the congressional races. And I, I will say that you know I'm hoping, I'm praying, I I voted obviously, I worked uh, to so that uh, we would have more Republicans in Congress, but um it will it's unlikely that that's going to fix the mess the mess has got to be fixed structurally and that, that's the balls in the state's courts to make that change and um you know I'll, I'll be very very glad we'll, we'll be able to stop some bad stuff but to do the kind of structural changes that this country needs to if we're going to really use that the metaphor of draining the swamp we're going to drain the swamp article five is the way to drain the swamp and so i'm just excited about uh, the prospects that we're going to gain more states that'll, that'll um, pass the resolution, uh, the call for the convention uh, of states using our language. And so I'm, I'm really, really excited about that prospect. Mike, we are especially interested tonight in a number of states that Ballotpedia has, has listed ba as battleground chambers. And some of those are, you know, Colorado, Maine, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Washington, your home state, all of those have battleground chambers. Do you think we are going to see some changes in partisan control of some of those state legislative chambers? Well, yes. Uh, you know, it would be obviously wonderful. We uh, saw all those change. I, I doubt that that will happen. Uh, that's, you know, a little bit too much to ask for, perhaps. But, but uh, the fact that any of them change uh, gives us a real shot to uh, advance convention of states in those localities uh, because those people know good and well what happens when there is one party rule and when there is, uh, you know, in, in essence, that the people in Washington, D.C., unfortunately, have a propensity to be loyal to Washington, D.C., more than any other factor. And uh, certainly, the majorities of Congress have ha had that. And that's what this problem is structural. Um, people don't like giving up their own authority. And, and so they think, well, I'll do it a little better. Yeah, I hope they do it better. I mean, anything needs to be better than this unbelievable, unsustainable debt. I mean, the, the fact that, you know, people don't understand that all the federal spending that has gone on these so-called um, COVID stimulus packages, that's why we have, have this massive inflation that's robbing all of us. And um, we need to take away their power to do that. We need, not only need to remove the people who did that from office, we need to permanently remove their power to do that. And it's abuse of the Commerce Clause, abuse, even more importantly, of the General Welfare Clause that does that. And we, and we can make some changes through the Article 5 process that will shut that down permanently because the General Welfare Clause, it was originally intended was a limitation on government spending, not an open door for government spending. And we need to return to that understanding and that reading of the Constitution. Mike, what do you think is going to be the biggest surprise tonight? Kind of just looking out where we're at right now and where we might be going. What's your big surprise that you think we'll see tonight? I, I, um, I don't have a big surprise for you. I just think that the, the, that the wave will be bigger than, than we, we hoped. 
uh, perhaps that's the surprise. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that all the polling was saying that the Democrats were, were going to do very, very well tonight. Uh, that polling has changed because, I mean, frankly, polling, as, as we heard at our uh, uh, important meeting in, in Florida here about three or four weeks ago, um, when this, our, that very, very insightful uh, polling presentation was made, most pollsters' job is not to accurately predict what's going to happen. They're trying to drive results. You know, if they were uh, going to be, you know, judging what will happen, all of them ought to be fired. Um, but but they're trying to drive results in a particular direction. And so uh, failing that, they, they're, they're trying to hedge their bets a little bit now. And I, I think that the fact that we have seen this turn around, the people in this country are upset and they're justifiably upset. They know that government's the problem rather than the solution. And that is really, you know, uh, if you want to boil down uh, political issues to one, one concept, you ask the question, what's the purpose of government? If you think the purpose of government is to provide for your needs, you're a socialist, and everything that's going on in Washington, D.C., you should love. If you think the purpose of government is what it says in the Declaration of Independence, to be able to um, defend our God-given inalienable rights, if that's the purpose of government, then government has a limited purpose. And, and you'll have a limited purpose when there's true checks and balances. And getting checks and balances on the federal government is the, is the big issue of the day right now. Hmm. Well, Mike, you, as most of our viewers know, are a co-founder of Convention of States. It's something you have been passionate about for some time now. You have been doing amazing work with Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, it's been so, so neat to watch and see what you've done with your time there. But at our recent summit event in Florida, we announced that you will be coming back and working with Convention of States again at the beginning of 2023. And I don't think anyone, I'm just going to say it. I don't think anyone is more excited about that than I am. <laughs> Well, Rita, I, I am thrilled. Uh, yeah, you and I, you know, started this journey together uh, you know, a long time ago. Now it seems like you were in high school, as I, I'm, I'm recalling, uh, nine <laughs> years right. ago. But uh, um, the, um, you know, my my role at ADF changed on October 1st. I'm no longer CEO. I will stay in a part-time capacity with ADF. Uh, helping with some special projects and a, um, a few uh, things rel relative to parents' rights in particular. Um, but um, I'm going to spend a, a considerable portion of my time uh, working with Convention of States, and I, I assume that uh, a big portion of that will be going to the states and uh, talking to state legislators and other leaders to uh, help them understand the constitutional parameters and the uh, all the checks and balances that are built into the process so the, the fear-mongering that goes on about Convention of States is, is proven to what it, be, it, it really is, and that is, a, is a desperate tactics of people who just simply hate, hate what the founders, founding fathers did. They hate the fact that there really is a way to put checks and balances on the federal government. And people who, you know, they can pretend to be conservative all they want. You're either on the side of what the Constitution says or you're not. And the Constitution says states 
have the power, therefore they have the moral responsibility to rein in the federal government. If the federal government's too big, it's because the states, state legislatures in particular, have not been doing their job of reining in federal abuses of power. And to whom that jurisdiction is given goes the moral responsibility. And we're calling on people to exercise their moral responsibility and, and do what's right. And to, to use the method that the founding fathers actually gave us to solve the problem that's right in front of us. Mike, I got one last question before we let you go. Um, what would you say to the viewers who are tuning in right now? What should they do kind of going forward? Uh, the election, it's come, it's going to go. Uh, but self-governance is more than just showing up for a midterm election. Uh, self-governance is more than just showing up for a presidential election. So what would your message be to the viewers who are tuning in right now? Well, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, if you helped on an election and your person's successful, congratulate them. And, and then stay in touch with them. Make sure that they know that you want them to do what's the right thing in, in a variety of areas, but especially, uh, you know, if they're in the state legislature, uh, to, to do the right thing on convention estates. Secondly, if you had a friend that, that ran, and one of my good friends right now is about 4,000 votes down, and so um, you need to tell your, your, the people that you supported if they, if they don't quite make it, that they should keep trying, that, uh, uh, a lot of really good people uh, didn't make it the first time they tried, and, and we need to keep working and keep fighting. And uh, but uh, uh, and then and then really you need to start praying for the people that win tonight because they have a responsibility before God. They need the power of God, and the power of prayer is the way to unleash the power of God. Mm. Thank you so much for that wisdom, Mike. It's a pleasure having you, and can't wait for you to come back to COS in 2023. Talk to um, you soon. We're going to have fun. Yep. Yeah. God bless you. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Rita, I think now we have someone from the Nevada team. I think we have John Quant, who is the legislative liaison, joining us. John, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, just tell us, what, uh, what kind of updates do you have right now for us uh, in Nevada? Well, good evening, and thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, I wanted to mention, Rita, you, you mentioned that Nevada polls are closed. They actually don't close until seven. They got another almost 13 minutes before they're closed up. So um, be careful what I what I say, seeing as how nothing is closed. And, and we won't see any reports. Any, it, 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 We're going to be one of the states where it's going to drag out for two or three days, probably. Maybe even all the way until Friday. We'll see. Um, but uh, we've um, you know, got a great team here now in Nevada with over 25,000 petition signers and over 100 dedicated state leaders and got a great leadership team with Ashley uh, DeColibus and Greg Seymour, Michael Beck, Chris Latham, and our regional folks, Andrew, yourself, and uh, Dennis Denton. And they, we've all been, you know, digitally, diligently supporting dozens of dedicated, hardworking volunteers over the past few months. and. Uh, Help ensure we're trying to help ensure that we get the support that it's needed to get a COS resolution passed in the Nevada 2023 legislative sessions. It's in, especially important in Nevada because we only have sessions biannually. So if uh, we don't get it in this one, we're on all through 2025 unless we had a, a governor that is willing to call a special session in the fall. Um, our efforts started out really well with 63 candidates uh, responding to our survey 
supporting, most of them supporting the resolution and 15 of those candidates have made it to the general election who are confirmed supporters of convention of states. And that happens to be enough seats if we get all 15 of them uh, that would be required for passing a resolution and actually in both the uh, Senate and the assembly. So in, uh, and in order to support these candidates, our, our army of volunteers, they did a, they completed 3,181 3, calls and sent out 5,908 texts. Um, the targeted districts were also had email blast campaigns and uh, we had a statewide get out the vote email blast campaign that went out to almost 7,000 Nevada Convention of State supporters. Uh, our our um, block walking, we, we, we got a little bit started, but Nevada is not a very conducive area to, to block walking. If you, you get up in the north up here, you, you better have a horse or, or, or a vehicle, something to get because everything's kind of far apart and there's a lot of gated communities down in the Clark County area. But we did get out to 300 houses block walking. Um, we expect a really strong, if we, we had a very strong voter turnout, I um, worked the uh, early polls, my wife and myself, and it was a good, strong early turnout. And uh, uh, despite snow up here in the northern area, it looks like today is going to be a good, strong turnout, too. And say Nevada voters, three main concerns are like most people, in most areas, economy, education and crime. Um, but there's also a, a, you know, a lot of regard with recent attacks on the First and Second Amendments, pretty, pretty strong here in Nevada. Lack of border security. We're one of the hardest hit states with um, um, illegal aliens and uh, government overreach. And they're all important factors. And it's, I actually heard somebody put it pretty well this morning. He said, it's all about God, gas and grandkids. And I, I, I got to agree with that summary. So he said, our, our polls aren't closed yet, but it does look like the Republicans are going to have a very strong showing in federal, state and local offices throughout the state. Uh, and including on um, a lot of that's driving people out are three questions that are on the state that include a constitutional, a proposed constitutional amendment, uh, changes to the election process and minimum wage. So um, like I said, CS volunteers have had a significant impact this year and participating in call and letter campaigns to legislators and town halls and uh, events, you know, gun shows, attending shows, and, and getting the word out regarding COS and how an Article 5 convention is the solution that our country needs, and we need it now. So that's, John, that's Nevada's update. It is just awesome to hear that. Before we let you go, I want to ask one more question. What has the effect of all of your election activity been on your team, do you, do you find that it really cements you together as a team to be pulling toward, you know, a, a common goal with, you know, a date certain and such specific outcomes? Yes, I, I think we started noticing in our town halls too. We we've gotten we've gotten to the point now where we're holding four four regional town halls, and uh, it, it shows, especially you know, some of the repeat people that are coming into them. They if you, as you know, you've been involved in this, they start slow and they start growing a little bit at a time and we're expecting them to get even bigger as the, you know, the results of the election come in and people start, um, we have a lot of hope. We think people are going to really start waking up and realize that they have an opportunity here to take advantage, rein in the federal government and, uh, you know, put, put, put the power back in the states and with the people. And our in our grassroots folks, we do 
they get excited about it. So especially, you know, some of the shows and, uh, uh, like I said, some of the town halls and we've had really good point. We've had actually we want to thank the folks from the other states that, that helped out because we did some of our campaigns went national because we had a few too many calls for the, the group that we had together here. I think uh, we would have had a tough time filling them all in. We hadn't had some help from some folks in other states. So we appreciate that. It's a beautiful thing to see the states working together and thank you. And please pass on my thanks to your team for all that you've done to make an impact there. I will. And thank you. Thank you very much for all your support. So we're, I said, we're hoping out, knocking on wood. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, John. Rita, so, I, I, who do we have next? We've, we've been hearing from so many different grassroots activists. I know we have at least one or two more. Um, who do we have? Who does producer G have for us right now? It's Kurt from Michigan. Oh, Kurt's back. Kurt, I understand you have some early results to share with us. Do tell. I'm showing the Capitol. I'll be back Thursday. Rita probably knows, but if uh, the Republicans win, that'll be when they elect speaker, which the speaker, majority leader in the House, will be Representative Hall, who's our resolution sponsor. So that would be good. <clears throat> I don't have any on the House, but I have a link on the Senate. Uh, I don't know if these are R or D precincts, and I can't tell what percent of the vote it is in. But Hornberger's behind uh, 6135, Hertel 7452. Nothing yet on Bumstead's district. Mike Weber is up 20224, that's a COS man, to 15217, 20,000 to 15,000. Um, Annette Glenn is not a COS supporter. She's in a, she's a, about 50 votes ahead, but that's a swing district on taking control. Mike McDonald at 1,100 and the Democrat at 3,800, but that number hasn't changed. That could, I assume that's from the extreme Democrat part of that district. And Mark Heisinga, 7,300, the Democrat, 2,700. So overall, they're good. I don't have a context because that is coming from the Michigan Senate PAC. Uh, so I don't have, well, you got something, oh, you're ahead of them. Very good. good. <laughs> Producer G is amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, this, this is from the uh, woman running the Republican State Senate PAC. So I thought that would be the best source, but I, I, I am not worthy. Producer G uh, laughs me once again, as he frequently does. Well, so that graphic showed an early result with Bumstead ahead. That looks like it's 3.1% of precincts reporting. That's four out of 131. So we still have a long way to go in that race, but that is a race that... Um, John Bumstead is a strong advocate for Convention of States in Michigan, and our team was supportive of his candidacy. So we would love to see him um, pull off the win in that race. And also, you know, it, it's incredible, Kurt, you mentioned that um, the person we expect to be speaker next in the Michigan House is our resolution sponsor. That never hurts. Right. No, that. Well, we, I won't go into the sordid history of the past speaker who was a, a sponsor. It turned out he wasn't all that anybody thought he was. But that's the best position to be in. And the prospective Senate Majority Leader also is a supporter. 
Not sure how the Senate lines up. Very strange here in Michigan. We have three incumbent state Senate Republican COS supporters, and they're all running for the state house. So one of them is Hornberger's district that we might not have a loss uh, of support there, and we may be gaining in the house. It's hard to keep score. We, we don't have an actual vote at any time. And Rita knows, I'm sure Andrew knows, and many of the listeners know that until there's an actual vote, you don't really know if that commitment means anything. Uh, we've seen people back up and do 180s across, uh, across the land, uh, but it's complicated. The uh, lobbyist here, I said, we want to vote. We want to find out where they stand. He said, no, because we got isolated house bad guys and they don't know how many of them there are. And if you have a vote, then they maybe form a group. I said, oh, good point. So, so we don't want to vote. Uh, yeah, and, and that is that is a struggle that we have faced for years, and I know we will continue to face it. But one thing is for sure, when our grassroots teams get engaged in the political process as they have in spades this election season, it makes a difference. It makes a state legislator much more reluctant um, to give us the, the runaround when they see the political muscle of our grassroots army. And by the elevator. Yeah, sorry. We did a telepatriot mission for uh, Bumstead and for McDonald, I think some others. But we had three special state house elections in March. And uh, one of the COS branches did radio ads for Representative Harris. Now, when I saw him... Uh, the state convention here in August, he was singing our praises because he won a close uh, race in a special election. And he's singing our praises in a room full of the, the lobbyist party before the convention. He's singing our praises to other state reps and state rep candidates. So they remember that. And that's where we wisely allocated the time in Michigan was to the swing districts that are going to be close. We endorsed a, a broader list of candidates but the ones that did the telepatriot missions are where can we move the needle? And that's what you need to do. But when they get in, they remember who helped them, who helped get them in office. Always. I haven't met a politician yet who didn't have a memory file for that. <laughs> that's right. Well, Kurt, thanks for being with us again. And um, can't wait to see how the rest of the races there turn out. I hope I can stay awake that long. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rita, we now uh, are going to go back to uh, Lana, who's going to give us a national update. Um, Lana, tell us, uh, what are some new updates that are developing? Are there any new uh, breaking results that have come in? Yeah, there's just a couple. First is that AOC was reelected in her area and then North Dakota, South Dakota, and Kansas won their Senate races. Republicans won for that one. And despite Republicans closing the gap for governor and Senate races, Democrats take the win and Democrat Bennett wins the Colorado Senate. So that's what I have for y'all now. Thank you, Lana. And I know that we have Jackson as well, who is going to give some additional mm -hmm. updates. Jackson, what do you have for us? 
Yeah, um, yeah, something's finally closing up around the country, but uh, still on the major races. We haven't been able to call them yet because they are super close. However, some good news for Republicans um, in North Carolina. We're up to 70% reported, and Ted Budd, um, the Republican, has taken a three and a half point lead there. Um, similarly, in Ohio, um, that I was talking about earlier, JD Vance, the Republican Senate candidate, has taken a five point lead over Tim Ryan uh, in Ohio, about uh, 60% reported there. Herschel Walker's taken a two-point lead in Georgia as well, um, but still a lot to be reported in Georgia. Uh, we got some um, more coming in there. Uh, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, Iowa, um, all very close still. We'll be watching those. Just not enough reported in those states yet. Um, one thing to watch, the New Mexico governor's race, um, one that has been held by Democrats for a while, is, is one that looks like at least is going to be competitive for Republicans tonight, um, as well as Michigan, uh, Governor Whitmer up there, um, obviously famous for her COVID lockdowns. Tudor Dixon is staying very competitive so far um, in Michigan, so we'll keep a close eye on that, but a lot to be reported there still. Um, and same for Senator um, in Wisconsin. That is also very close. Yeah, you can see the governor map there. Um, and what they have going on there. Still watching that New Mexico one, the Michigan one, Wisconsin governor, also very close. Um, if you look over there at New York, too, the New York governor's race, Lee Zeldin has been in the news a lot lately, uh, making a strong push to turn um, New York red uh, in a statewide election. Um, right now, though, he's, he is behind right now. There's still a lot to be reported, but he is going to be the first Republican to win Staten Island since 2002, which um, is some big news for Lee Zeldin there, at, at a minimum making progress in New York. Um, and we'll see if he can pull out a victory there. One thing I do want to note um, the Georgia uh, Senate or Georgia governor's race, uh, Brian Kemp, he won that race um, over Stacey Abrams by 55,000 votes four years ago. Um, he's now right now he's leading by 200,000 votes, four times as much. He's leading by eight points right now there. Um, we obviously already saw how big of a win DeSantis had. Uh, in the evening, Abbott um, holding his spot in Texas, especially uh, and Tudor Dixon right now in Michigan, too. Um, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Andrew and, and Rita. But it, it seems like maybe we're still seeing some COVID effects here from some of these governors um, that the way that they manage their states is playing a huge role in their elections right now, especially Kemp and DeSantis, ones who narrowly won a few years ago, were very famous for how they handled their states differently from other states. Um, now winning huge Whitmer on the other side of that. Um, same with New York on the other side of that as well for how they handled it differently. And Republicans making up huge ground in those states right now for the governor races. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I think that we are seeing a COVID effect in those races. And, you know, it's interesting. I've been watching as I have a chance, some of the comments scrolling on our feed here, and I can see it just in the comments. You know, you can see people really happy with DeSantis, really unhappy with some of the other governors. So um, that's really interesting. Uh, Jackson, is there anything that's surprising you about what you're seeing so far tonight? I think the the Florida situation is probably the most surprising right now, how big of a lead, and they've maintained that lead, almost 90% reported right now, um, South Florida especially as well. Um, other than that, we, we're still kind of waiting on the big races to come through here and, and see how those break. Um, but I do think, like I was saying about Ohio right now, um, even though Trump did win Ohio by so much, 
uh, and the polling is trending toward J.D. Vance at the end. Tim Ryan was a pretty popular candidate there, um, and I think definitely more popular there than Joe Biden was against Trump there. But J.D. Vance now still pulling out there. So I think that's big. I think the ones to watch, I think the surprising things to watch, hopefully will be coming up very soon here, um, looking at places like Wisconsin and Michigan and Minnesota, um, seeing if we can, seeing how Arizona breaks here, I think could be really interesting, as well as Nevada. Um, to me, those are the big ones. And then, you know, the, the real big surprises would be a place like New Mexico or New York uh, or something like that. Um, so right now, no huge surprises, but I think just good trends for Republicans so far um, in places like Florida and places like Virginia, like I was talking about earlier, um, and maybe even in North Carolina right now, looking like some good things happening there. Mm. Jackson, thank you for giving us those updates. It's really just amazing seeing uh, some of the results that are coming in, some of the huge leads that some governors have, like Ron DeSantis and others. And we're just going to have to kind of wait and see where those elections go. It was really amazing to hear Lee Zeldin uh, winning Staten Island, first Republican to do that in, in many years. So uh, it's still early, so we'll see what happens and uh, we'll kind of bring you back uh, for some additional updates in the near future. But now we do have Jonathan Viad with us, who is the regional director of the past states. Jonathan, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, I guess just to start off, what's your uh, thought on how the election has been turning out so far? Um, what, what has been your, uh, what, what are you surprised to see or what are you not surprised to see so far? Well, Andrew, great to be here with you guys. And thank you so much for having me. Uh, as far as what's been going on and my reaction, I mean, it's been a good night so far. Obviously, it's still early and in some places, uh, but here in Florida, I mean, it doesn't get any better than how tonight has turned out, right? I mean, it has just been an incredible night in the Sunshine State, and uh, I think the sunshine for liberty is going to be shining for a long time. So super, super happy with what's gone on here in Florida and excited to see where things will turn with the rest of the country as the night continues on. Jonathan, you are regional director for um, a big chunk of our past states. We call them our past states. They're states that have already passed the Convention of States um, resolution. They're part of that of 19 states that have already passed it. What has been the attitude of your teams as they approach the elections? Well, I mean, they have just been super excited to try and help out as much as they can with the states that have yet to pass the resolution. Uh, we've been participating in a number of telepatriot missions. We've been doing some texting, a lot of different things, but they're also working really hard within their own states as well. I mean, uh, we've had a number of past states focused on school board elections and really trying to key in on changing the balance of power in some of the school board elections. There are a lot of school boards where they've Let's face it, classrooms are being politicized these days, and we're trying to do everything that we can to make sure that voters know exactly where the candidates stand on these important issues before they go to the polls. And they've been doing a great job in our states uh, getting people to uh, answer these candidate surveys and then send them out ahead of time. We've done that this year in Florida. We've done it in Missouri. We've done it in Louisiana. We did it in Texas. Of course, this started in Texas last year when we focused on the Houston Independent School District. And so the past states have continued to do that. 
And they're also involved in a number of other elections locally, focusing on getting out and doing block walking, uh, some other campaigning things, not necessarily connected with convention of states, whether, they're whether they've got their COS hat on or not, the past states are really focused on making sure that they're doing everything they can to both impact their local elections and also help out with other states by making a ton of phone calls into our telepatriot missions and uh, doing just everything they can to make sure that they advance the cause for liberty. Jonathan, you have mostly been spearheading a lot of these telepatriot missions. You've been kind of setting up phone banking missions where a bunch of activists come on at the same time and they make calls into important districts. How important and how integral has telepatriot been for the 2022 uh, kind of election? And maybe could you tell us a little bit about how we've used it in the past and how are we going to use it in the future? Because like uh, uh, Jason Gerard said earlier, we're just getting started in this election. Uh, can you just kind of give us a, a kind of a roadmap for how we can use this in future elections? Yeah, it's been critically uh, important and it's really helped our success, right? I mean, I think you've heard uh, Jason talk about it. I'm sure Graham Martin has talked about it. And this is something that we've used throughout a couple of no uh, elections in the past where we've been calling and trying to get people out to vote. This year, we used it in far more races than we ever have before. And not only are we doing it in more and more races, we're also doing something a little bit more than we've ever done before, and that's called express advocacy, where we're able to find pro-convention of states candidates and advocate for them expressly through these telepatriot missions. We have to be very careful with what we're doing and making sure that we are always uh, legally uh, responsible and, and compliant. A number of different laws going on in a couple of different states, but it has been an amazing success in all that we've been able to accomplish many thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of calls that have been made. I think when I was looking over the weekend, I think we had made about 2,200 calls a day. It's just been incredible to see the grassroots activists getting involved and utilizing this simple and easy tool to make phone calls and have a major impact on these elections. And as to where we're going to go, uh, Mark Meckler actually came on a call blitz, which call blitz is when we we take a, a few hours out of a day, usually on Saturdays, and we ask all of our activists to come on and make as many calls as they can over the course of two hours. It's kind of a virtual phone banking, if you will, right? We're a virtual organization. It's hard to get everyone together at one time to make calls. So we have these call blitzes. And Mark Meckler came on and talked about it and was encouraged because we had about 38 people on at the time. We've actually seen as many as 120 people come on one of those call blitzes before. But when he was there and he was talking to those 38 people, he said he envisions by 2024, we're going to have 3,800 people on those call blitzes making calls. I don't know that I'm, I'm, I'm that a, as optimistic as Mark, but I think we are going to see an explosion in terms of the participation of our activists. And as we start to unveil some other technology, we have a new peer-to-peer -peer texting app called the COSGOTV app that has been making this process a heck of a lot easier, too. I think people are going to be more and more excited about getting involved, getting off the couch and making a major impact in these elections and helping to advance the COS cause. Mm. Jonathan, that is so exciting to hear. And I just want to say a personal word of thanks to you. You have been a key mover in all of 
what's going on tonight across the country. As far as our teams getting involved, you've done so much to help coordinate and lead those efforts. And I just want to give you a big shout out and a big thank you. And thanks for being with us tonight. Thank you so much, Rita. Thank you, Andrew. Y'all have been doing an amazing job so far. This has just been an incredible uh, episode or special edition of COS Live. And, you know, it almost feels like we're becoming a bit of a news network. So I'm going to make a quick pitch here (laughs) and say that the election coverage will continue tomorrow night if you join us on COS at Home, where we're going to have our dear friend Pete Hegseth from Fox and Friends uh, joining us to discuss more about the election and a number of other things. So I hope you'll join us tomorrow night for COS at Home at eight o'clock Eastern time. Thanks, Jonathan. Take care. And Andrew, I understand that producer G has Julie Baker from Wyoming standing by for us. Producer G, do we still have Julie? Oh, she may not be ready. Hi, Julie. Hi, I'm just getting back from the polls. (laughs) So. I'm oh. in my car. So tell, tell us, tell us what you know. What, how's it going so far in Wyoming? What are you seeing, hearing? What's happening? Well, I, I can't. I don't have any information yet because I haven't been able to look at anything. I, you know, I've just stopped my car and, um, and I was a an election judge, so that's why I'm a little bit late getting back. Um, so, but. In Hewlett, Wyoming, we had uh, 370 something people vote. (laughs) It's a little town. But we have some pretty, um, you know, some pretty good races going on. uh, Pretty important. I was going to ask you, tell us a little bit about what you and the team have been doing kind of in the run up to the election and just uh, have you and the team been really excited to just kind of watch the results come in? Um, well, like I say, we haven't watched, I haven't been watching the results come in yet. I'm just getting home. Um, but, um, what we've been doing up until the election is doing a lot of, um, you know, the get out to vote, uh, COSGOTV texting and, um, telepatriot. So Dave, you know, Schneider, um, got us up on COSGOTV and, and, uh, and he tells us we did about. 6,000 texts and it was all this week and uh, and then we did about 600 telepatriot calls as well uh, leading up to the the election which is fantastic <laughs> I mean, that's amazing to hear 6,000 texts were sent out by you and the team 600 calls I mean that's that's not a small number that's that's really amazing to hear how you and the team are sending out these text messages and it's such a a new tool that we have available to us that can make such a big impact Mm -hmm. um and so i guess you know we've had you on the cos live multiple times just kind of hearing about what's going on in wyoming uh what do you what are you and the team going to be doing uh after the election what's kind of you know the election ends what come what, what happens november 9th and all the way through the rest of the year for you and the team well, November 9th, we look at who uh, who prevailed and how many of the uh, COS-friendly legislators and candidates prevailed. And so obviously start getting in touch with them, uh, working out a strategy. And then, um, and then the other candidates who, you know, we might not know, 
uh, what their position is or, um, you know, maybe they didn't think they'd win and they did, you know, start to start to reach out to all the new legislators and just see if we can solidify a, a winning number. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Julie, thank you for all your activity there. And I also want to say I'm inspired by seeing how many of our COS volunteers and leaders and activists are actually out working the polls on election day. Mm -hmm. What inspired you to do that? Why is why do you think that's important? Well, it's, I'm glad you said that because we have a lot of COS volunteers uh, in Wyoming who are working the polls. And another thing that happened this year, first time, is that we had a lot of Convention of States um, supporters, you know, who who emailed me after the fact, uh, ran for precinct committee person. And so, you know, I've, I've been getting emails periodically saying, yep, I'm a precinct man, I'm a precinct woman. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of us went out. And, and what inspired me is I just wanted to, I really wanted to find out the, what the process was. And you know, work the polls. Other, other convention and state supporters work the polls I never have. And so I'll, I'll join them and it's um, doing it. So that's awesome. That's great. Well, Julie, I just want to thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, we're all watching the results come in together and we're just so excited <laughs> to see how involved convention of states has been. And we just know that uh, you and the team in Wyoming are going to continue to push forward and that you guys are just not going to quit. So thank you for joining us tonight. We hope to come back to you in a little bit. With that, Rita, do we have an update uh, with North Carolina? I do have a little bit of an update. I don't think we have Grant Martin on at the moment, but I have been checking and checking the North Carolina reporting um, just because it was the earliest of the polls that we're watching um, to close tonight. And I can tell you that so far, and this is with um, a, a pretty good percentage of the precincts reporting, looks like Larry Yarbrough has won in House District 2. Um, Danny Britt is ahead so far in Senate District 24. John Bradford in House 98 has pulled ahead. That is from Grant Martin, who's watching that race closely. Um, Grant, welcome. Uh, how are we doing, guys? Long time to speak. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, I want to hear you have to report on the races that we're watching, but by um, my account, last time I looked, it did look like Alan Chesser has has won House District 25. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that exciting? We, we yeah. got some. I'm looking at the Senate right now. Uh, Bobby Hannock, and uh, he was he's a strong supporter of ours that went from the House to the Senate, and he was in a really challenging race because of the redistricting this year, but it looks pretty good. Out of uh, 98 out of 106 precincts reported, he's got a four, uh, well, three and a half thousand vote lead. Buck Newton, strong supporter of ours. I think he's uh, pretty much has that, that race handily. This was a pretty close one, and it looks like Michael Lee is going to pull this out. Uh, another strong supporter. He he's uh, up by just 11, 1,100 votes. He was he was down for most of the night, so it's good to see. I was getting a little worried about that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa Barnes, another one. Looks like she's she's got that one handily. A supporter of ours, Jim Bergen. He's uh, he's definitely got that one handily. Strong supporter. Uh, so it's it's looking good for us now. One of the ones that uh, I was uh, they don't have any precincts reporting on this. One of the ones that I'm really keeping an eye on is Mark Cavallaro. We did a lot of block walking in his district and a lot of calls. Uh, he's starting out with uh, about about eight thousand, eight and a half thousand down, but none of the precincts have reported. So that's all <laughs> early voting stuff. And yeah, then also right. West, Wesley Meredith, unfortunately. Uh, I didn't catch this. So I was really hoping that he pulled out, but it doesn't look like Wesley Meredith mm. uh, made it, unfortunately. Uh, so some of these things are, some of these races are starting to, to close. Um, yeah. Amy Bailey, a strong supporter. She's uh, She's got that one handily. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, I wonder if producer, producer G can show us House 47, Jared Lowry. Um, he's trying to pick up an open seat there, and I'm not sure what it looks like now, but when I, that's House 47, Producer G, if you've got it. When I looked at it last, it looked like he was way ahead, and that, that right. was an open seat. So that would be pretty exciting for him to pick that up. There we have House 47 with Jared Lowry. And am I correct, Grant? That would be a pickup, right? Yes, yes. So that, that's uh, that's good news. And they, they're getting started out pretty, with a pretty good deficit. That's a place that we worked, worked uh, pretty diligently in. And it looks like he's going to win pretty handily. So it's uh, great yeah, to see that. Yeah, that's 30 of 31 precincts reporting. So that's that's um, big news there. Major victory for Jared Lowry and our amazing North Carolina team that supported him in that race. Grant, I got a question for you, uh, just kind of related to some of these possible pickups and uh, areas where we're ahead. You know, what is this going to do for the prospects of North Carolina after the election? Like how... You know, is the legislature going to see this and are they going to start thinking, well, maybe Convention of States is something that we really do need to support based on what the North Carolina team was able to accomplish? Well, certainly that's that's one of the goals and that is always a possibility. Uh, you know, what they do, you know, is, is anybody's guess, but, you know, it is, we'll say, you know, the word is getting around as as to how active the team has been. Uh, because, like I said before, there's not another grassroots organization that is doing this type of stuff. So that word is certainly spreading around the legislature, around the the candidates. We have candidates that uh, you know have been bragging on on uh, our efforts. Obviously, we don't coordinate any of our efforts with the with the candidates, but it doesn't take long in these circles for the word to get around, and it's it's. It's been traveling around. We'll just put it that way. So that's fun to see. Hopefully, you know, who knows what will happen this, you know, still yet this year. If nothing else, we're hoping to have a much more favorable uh, legislative makeup for the next next session. Yeah. And, you know, Grant, North Carolina has um, faced some, some tough breaks in the past few years. You know, first – 
one one chamber passes the resolution, the Senate passes the resolution and the House doesn't pass it. Then another session, the House passes it and the Senate on it. So it can be really frustrating. And I'm sure the temptation is there sometimes to simply, you know, give up and, and go away in frustration. But that or, North or Carolina, I like to call it sometimes they want to go thermonuclear. But that North Carolina team has not gone away. And I have no. to believe that those legislators are starting to notice that these people are not going away. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, like I say, there's and what, what's really good about this is, you know, through all this process and you're building this political muscle, you build relationships. We're getting some. You know, like our, this this past year, our, our challenge has been in the Senate, as you mentioned. And part of that is, you know, you, you have to have people in the caucus that are really championing champ, championing your efforts, right? So, you know, as part of this, you, know, you develop those relationships, you're developing those champions that will go talk to their caucus, talk to their, their fellow members and really promote our, our cause and what we're doing. And, that, you know, they can testify firsthand uh, as to how active the grassroots team is so it's uh it's exciting to watch but uh, as you said it, it can be very frustrating not that any of us have dealt with any frustrating legislators or anything before <laughs> no never <laughs> grant thank you so much for uh giving us an update on what's happening on the ground there in north carolina uh Please, we wanted you to come back and give us another update if there's more things that are developing, if uh, if races start going in a different direction or if they start or if they continue to, to go in the direction we want them to go. So we'll we'll have you on standby. And with yeah, that, I was, just, I was just trying to take a sneak, a real quick look here. Stephen Ross in House District 63. Again, there's a place that we've done a lot of work and it looks like he is. He has pulled ahead by almost 900 votes and with only a couple of precincts left, left to go. And I, this is another exciting one to me, not that it was a close race, but I want to announce that our, our primary sponsor, Dennis, has uh, won his district handily by uh, a little over 8,000 votes. He's an amazing, amazing patriot. Love the guy. Great legislator. So it's glad to see that he's uh, coming back with us. Also, uh, John Faircloth, I don't know if anybody's seen the pictures where Mark's holding a bunch of letters. This was at a town hall. Uh, John, uh, Representative Faircloth, he was uh, not a supporter of ours until the grassroots did a letter writing campaign. And he came up to Mark at a town hall event and he goes, I now support you guys. And, and do you know why? And of course, Mark says, and I was standing right beside Mark. And he says, no, please clue me in. And he reaches into his jacket pocket and pulls out a bunch of hand letter, handwritten letters. And he said, because this is what your people did. You know, these were his constituents. And it looks like he's he's pulling ahead pretty good in his race in House District 62. So I'm glad to see that. Wow. We're glad to see that too, Grant. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for the update. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for what you're doing there. I know this is a long night for everybody. Huh? Mm -hmm. Grant, long you know, night. I turn into a pumpkin at 10 o'clock. So. <laughs> and Grant, we know you're going to have pots and pots of coffee. <laughs> you got the activist fuel right there. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you, Grant. All right, Rita, do we have uh, Andrew Barkman that's going to be coming back? We do have Andrew. Uh, Andrew, Andrew thank you for always here. <laughs> here. He's, he's Johnny on the spot, I ready. I believe COS. So blah, this blah, is. Uh, I've got the I've got the activism fuel in my veins. So yes, uh, happy to be here. But I did um, since we. <laughs> How are you feeling right now? Uh, oh, uh, I'm actually uh, I'm very happy with what we're seeing. I think in my role really in order to have an effect now, right, right now is the night where you see the results. And I think someone was talking earlier that tonight, tonight's a great night. I'm so glad we're doing election coverage because this is where the efforts that our grassroots are doing all the time. Now you can actually measure it. Right. And you say, okay, the, all this that has been done has led to this result. Now that then leads to legislative season, which is in January and uh, that that is very important because the legislators will know who helped to help them get elected, that they're in the seats that they're in. And that improves the conversation in January to May in most of these uh, states. So that's that's the general time frame for most of the legislative areas. So to see these numbers in these races which are which are not the top line races, right? This isn't the the U.S. senator. This isn't the thing that all of the, in fact, all the other election night coverage. We're going to cover things like DeSantis, and and of course we're going to cover that too. But but we are literally seeing these state races that are that are turning so many in our favor, and that comes from true hands on effort by our grassroots. Why is that important? Well, there's so many people who passively watch politics and they watch it, right? They, they watch television. They might be watching election coverage tonight. We have people who are active and we have been developing the methods for them to be active over the last couple of years. So over that time period, especially in a role like mine, we're telling people about the importance of block walking. We're training people how to block walk. We're giving them the tools they need from training to materials uh, motivation, whatever, whatever it takes. We're, we're giving them what they need to succeed. But there's often this conversation of the importance of it. And, and you wonder if people really buy into it. Now, I've been blessed that everything we've done in block walking has just absolutely exploded. Uh, you know, this, this, for anyone who's new to this, uh, we, we had no block walking program a year and a half ago. April of 2021, I came on board uh, on staff, on the national staff out of my volunteer position. And we, we, it was an idea, right? It, it was the idea that we knew block walking was important. We knew face-to-face -face conversations was important. Uh, there are studies that show not only that face-to-face -face conversations have the most impact, but there are studies on uh, things that we're talking about now, get out the boat, where if you talk to someone face to face and you bring them new information, uh, now they're intrigued. And if you ask them things like, hey, can we count on your vote for X, Y, Z candidate on November 8th, that of people who say yes, that that's about 80 percent of them actually will then follow through on it. So we're talking about a known quantity that it leads to a tangible result now. At the same time, we've been working on getting the teams ready for that, right? So if you want to have a big presence in an election year and you have a lot of people who are interested in politics but maybe haven't ever done anything before, well, we need 
at the last minute, you don't want to be behind the eight ball and trying to convince people to go out block, walk and train them and figure all that out. So we've been working since that date on, on training people, growing teams, whatever. And, and, and teams, especially like North Carolina, where Grant was just talking about, you know, they took to it, took to it like a duck to water and they have been so active. It's absolutely amazing. Every win that they get tonight, they should be proud of because of the work that they've done. Other teams, other states could emulate that. We are very active in many states. I think the very first conversation tonight, Andrew was asking me, I'm also Andrew, but you know, Andrew to Andrew, he was asking me, why don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit about the growth? And, and so again, we had nothing a year and a half ago. Last year, we were just growing, growing gangbusters. And by, and by the end of last year, we had already grown teams in, in around 20 states. This year, as we were tracking the numbers, and, and by the way, we track two different things. We track the COS message, which is the normal traditional block walking. That's where we are able to teach people the skill set. And that hope is that then that leads to it, things like we're doing this this year where we are actually actively involved in races. But even if someone takes that knowledge of how to block walk and then they go and do whatever they want with it, right? That's fine because we believe in self-governance. So, so people who join a campaign, who knows down the road, even post-convention, we want people to have the skill set necessary to communicate a message to the people in their area that they can come together and as a group decide who their leaders are and those leaders will know why they're there. And so they can select and elect leaders. So we want this skill set to be as broad as possible. That's part of the self-governing movement. But but what we've seen this year in actual numbers, I think in Q2, we set a goal of 20% growth over everything we had done in the entire time from the beginning of the program and we hit it and then we went into q3 and, and the numbers were looking good we were continuing to grow and i said i think we can do it again and we crushed again a 20 percent goal and th this isn't just 20 percent month over month 20 percent quarter over quarter this was each time we did this it was 20 percent on the entire total of whatever we'd ever done before so the first time around we did 20 percent on the total of everything we'd done before and the next quarter we did a 20 percent increase over that and everything that had been done before right and then moving into q4 we we said is this too nuts or are we are we nuts to set a, a roll the dice three times and go for another 20% increase. And we cleared that already about a couple weeks ago. So, so 20% in this one quarter of this one year, 20% growth over everything that had already been done. And that is separate even from some of the stats that we track in the individual races because we use technology and some of those. Sometimes we use apps when we're doing very specific candidate activities. So that's a whole nother side of things that aren't even in the numbers that we're regularly measuring. And so we have just had phenomenal growth. And Jason, who you saw earlier, Jason Gerard with Grassroots, we say to each other often what he was saying, we're just getting started. We haven't even scratched the surface. So we have just begun this program. We're just getting started. We've seen an insane growth. And as we go into 2023, well, one, obviously we will be, we will have relationships and we'll also have the ability to hold some of our legislators to what they said they were going to do. They know that we have an organized group of people that can do these things. And that gives us a certain amount of influence. Now, all of next year, we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to teach people how, in fact, let's just take North Carolina as an example. Everyone who went block walking in this last cycle here, which is really just uh, most of it happened in the last two, three months. 
block walking is so easy that you go out once you know what you're doing. So every single one of those people now knows what they're doing and could easily have somebody shadow them, which means in 2023 and beyond, but specifically in 2023, if those people are willing to block walk and willing to help grow the team, willing to just have someone shadow them to teach them uh, what to do. And usually we're out for just something simple, like two hours on a Saturday. So, so we could literally double the numbers in North Carolina overnight. So as we grow next year, I think we're going to see big, big growth again. And uh, one thing I'll briefly mention as well, we were talking about Jonathan Viad and Telepatriot. We are looking at doing things there and those two tools work hand in hand. And why do they work hand in hand? Well, they both are what are almost considered, if you were thinking in business terms, they're entry level positions. You need almost no training and very quickly you can be part of the COS movement. So if you're brand new and you're excited about COS, you'd like to help this happen. You'd like to see a convention called. Well, now we have two different activities. You could do them both. Uh, many people do, but two different ways that from right off the bat, you just heard about COS. You want to get involved. You want to help out, but you don't know much yet. And you don't uh, think you have any set, set of skills yet in the political arena. Well, you can step right into both of these positions and start having an impact. You can start learning, you can start building relationships with other COS people. You can start communicating the COS message. And that is happening through block walking and telepatriot. For anyone who doesn't know what telepatriot is, it simply is a telephone system that we use to call people. Both of those are going to grow. And as we grow with block walking, it leads to more people who've signed the petition, more people who volunteer. As we grow with telepatriot, that leads to more people who join and active, including in things like block walking. So one hand washes the other. These two tools are going to come in very handy. And again, think about this. These are, these are simple tools. Anyone can pick up very easy with almost no training and, and immediately be having an impact. All of this is going to continue in 2023. So, so the work we do now, the work we've done now leads to these wins we see tonight. That's going to lend, lend us wins in January through May in the legislative season and all of 2023, we can continue to grow, which means it's going to put us in an incredible position for 2024 and we can continue to grow all of 2024. So by the time we're having this show on election night coverage in 2024, we're going to have seen massive growth. Uh, Jonathan was saying, he was like, I don't know if Mark's right. It will get like hundreds of people or whatever we will. I'm bullish on it. It's going to happen. We're going to have hundreds, if not thousands of people calling block walking and and we're going to be doing both it's going to be massive the legislators see that they're going to want to be on the side of the team that can bring that kind of heat to the table and that is us and we are just beginning and tonight's election coverage is the first time it's going to grow so this is just amazing and if you're watching get on board get excited get involved join us all next year and you are going to be happy with what you see and i am happy to work with all of you so thank you Andrew, thanks so much. And I just want to remind our viewers that block walking is not just for elections. We use block walking year round. We use it to um, win the votes that we need to pass our resolution in the states that still need to pass it. We send Andrew to lead teams out and walk those blocks in key districts where we need that legislator to vote yes for convention of state. So, so grateful for Andrew and his work. And Andrew, I understand that we have Bill Scott back again for another Ohio update. I have been watching those Ohio races as well. Bill, 
Thanks for coming back. What do you have for us? Yeah. Well, I'm a little bit more optimistic than I was when I talked to you 40 minutes or an hour ago, whenever it was. I was pretty pretty depressed at those early numbers. Uh, but the, the first one that's interesting to me is the Ohio Senate. Michelle Reynolds in Senate District Number 3. That's Central Ohio, Columbus area suburbs. And uh, this is an open seat, and Michelle is the Republican candidate. And she was uh, down uh, when we first talked. And this district, since redistricting, is a, a Democrat plus uh, two or three, I think. Uh, she has now taken the lead, and there's about 100,000 votes roughly in of maybe a 400-some thousand. So it's a half quarter, 20% of the vote is in. But she has now had 53-47. So this could be a pickup uh, to increase the, uh, the majority in the Senate. And uh, so that's, that's pretty good news, I think, especially the way the trend is going, where all the mail-in ballots are typically for the Democrats and uh, the later votes tend to support the, uh, the Republican. That's right. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah. Another race that's interesting is House District 23. This is a possible pickup as well. Um, it's a seat where the um, uh, candidate we supported is George Phillips. We did get out the uh, vote in both text and uh, telepatriot. Um, this interest, this race is now uh, Democrat 53 and Republican 47, but that's an eight point turnaround toward the Republican since we spoke an hour ago. So again, the trend is, is looking good there, even though it doesn't look like a, a pickup yet, it's certainly, certainly trending that way. Mm -hmm. uh, another one that's also trending Positive is Chris Monzel, which would also be a pickup in House District 28. That's down the Cincinnati area. Um, it's a, um, a Democrat plus three district, and that has had about a, a five, six point turnaround since we spoke last as well. Um, the one that does trouble me, all that good news I did tell you, the one that does trouble me is Derek Marin, who is a longtime um COS supporter through several general assemblies um, and is mentioned as a possible speaker candidate for uh, this next uh, assembly is still trailing his uh, Republican, I'm sorry, his uh, Democrat challenger. Um, and the vote didn't move hardly at all in the last hour. It just moved up in the last 20 minutes or so. Uh, but, but Derek Marin is uh, right now about, uh, uh, let's see, He's 47 and the Democrats 53%. So he's down about six points, uh, but it is an eight point turnaround from where we were an hour ago. So again, that trend is, is good too, but that's a little too close for an incumbent, uh, especially somebody who's so strong for us. And um, Bill, can you see how many precincts are reporting there in House 42? Oh, uh, I didn't. Uh, I should oh, it's back okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't have that right now, but uh, I think that might that is an issue because it didn't move for the longest time. Um, it just stuck at like 12,000 yeah. votes. So, Okay, uh, well, we will keep watching that. And um, I just want to remind everyone that in Ohio, our team definitely took the approach of supporting the underdogs who were, you know, setting out 
in most cases to unseat an incumbent. Those are tough races to win. But our, our team has been making calls to low propensity voters in order to advocate for the candidates who support Convention of States. You support Convention of States, we're likely to support you um, in, in your race. We stick by our supporters. So, um, Bill, I know your team has done an incredible job there throughout the election season and We'll continue to watch those races. Anything else you wanted to share with us? Yeah, just that um, I heard Andrew and everybody talking about uh, the telepatriot and the block walking and all that. And, you know, we, of course, did that, too. We did about 7,500 telepatriot uh, texts, um, not telepatriot, the new texting app, which everybody loves, by the way. Um, I don't know if we're a beta test or only a few states used it, but that texting app was terrific. We did 7,500. In the traditional uh, telepatriot, we did 6,000 calls, which is also not too bad. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Bill, thank you so much for giving us those updates. We do now have Dave Schneider sure. joining us, Rita. Dave is back, uh, regional director for Kansas, Wyoming, uh, Montana, South Dakota, Nebraska, and Michigan. Dave, uh, so since we had you on, or since the last time we had you on, uh, how are you feeling about how the night is turning out? And can you give us any updates about what's going on in the in your region? Well, I'll tell you, it's been slow going. Um, and that's typical for my states. Um, um, it seems like the blue or the, <laughs> the blue counties come in real early in my states. And then it's playing catch up for, um, the ones that we want to see our convention of state supporters for the rest of the night. Um, we just had an um, election wrap up in my home district right here in uh, Manhattan, Kansas. I'm happy to say convention of state supporter, uh, my personal state representative just won his reelection by 400 votes. Very close race. I've never seen so much money spent in a state uh, state race in Kansas. Um, I literally was getting four to five mailers every day. Uh, it was crazy. And we're talking 8,500 votes total, and they were separated by 400 votes at the end. We're talking a very, very progressive individual versus um, moderate pretty much, but it was a supporter of Convention of States. It's pretty interesting to watch that race and uh, to see him. I just got the phone with him, congratulated him, and uh, certainly was thanking us, uh, thanking me for the support that I was able to give him personally. But um, other races is pretty interesting. State of Kansas as well. Uh, the governor's race, you see um, what we like to call lockdown lore. I know you guys were talking about the the, um, the lockdowns. Uh, so we got Laura Kelly running for re-election. Um, and again, it's it's one of those catch-up things. We have the early, the early districts that come in are very, very blue districts. And they're like the Kansas City area some in Wichita and, you know, Lawrence, which is known for their, uh, anyway, we won't go into their, their blueness, but uh, anyway, uh, and now you're seeing Derek Schmidt kind of whittle back into, I expect this would be a really, really close uh, finish. Um, it was about 15 points separating the two. Uh, last I looked a couple of minutes ago, it was down about eight points. 
Um, I think Derek's got enough of rural Kansas to pull that back off. And again, this is ramifications for convention states as well as the state of Kansas. Um, we're seeing other races for um, state house in Kansas looking pretty good. Um, that Johnson County, which is the uh, the Kansas City area, has been pretty tough. It looks like the Democrats were able to get some pretty good turnout there, which um, is kind of surprising given the state of affairs. But um, um, they're not all done yet. It's pretty interesting. We're um, a lot of our supporters are still in those races. I'm hoping you get to talk to the Kansas team. I'll try to make sure that they they come on with you to talk specifics in some of these races because I know they've been extremely active in working in some of these districts. I'm also watching South Dakota pretty heavily. Uh, we've got a couple really close races up there. Joel Koskin, uh, who's been a very controversial individual as of late, uh, seems to be leading in his Senate race, which uh, would end up being a very, very big scenario for us in the Senate in South Dakota if, in fact, he's able to sit in his seat or if the governor's going to have to replace him. Not going to get into details and why that would be, but um, it, it's actually much to our benefit if he ends up winning that race over a Democrat, a sitting Democrat that has always voted against convention of states. Um, that being said, Maggie Sutton's running a little behind in her race, and I know uh, the team um, has been hoping she's going to get it done. And this is really tough because she's a sitting senator. And what we're seeing is the redrawing of the lines. The redistricting has had a huge effect and really changing the state of things in a lot of these districts. And Maggie's kind of a casualty of, of some of those circumstances. Night's not over for her quite yet. I'm still waiting to see some of the stuff coming in from Montana um, again. A little early there. I know it's not early for the East Coast, but it's, uh, believe it or not, uh, only 8.50 in uh, Montana. So we're still starting to see some of the stuff come in really slow there. Wyoming is a little tricky because there's so many writing candidates. You know, you wouldn't think writing candidates would be a thing. Uh, there's not very many writing candidates that ever win a state legislative race. But in Wyoming, when you only have basically a 1,000 votes in the entire election, um, you could easily have somebody you know, siphon off or be able to get four to 500 votes and win these things. So we have some serious, we might not know for a few days in a couple of these races is what I'm trying to say. Some of these ones that I'm worried about in Wyoming, I know Ogden Driscoll, I know the team has been extremely busy in that district in Senate district one. He's picked up a right in uh, one of the candidates that lost the primary uh, decided that he <laughs> wanted to take matters in his own hand and and come in and, and do a writing campaign. So that's a serious concern. Um, Eric Barlow picked up an independent as well late in the filing game. Um, it's, it looks like he's handily winning that particular race. Um, our former sponsor, Bo Beitman, he uh, looks like he's doing pretty good in his race against a Democrat. But uh, a couple of these other ones actually have write-ins that I'm, I am concerned, one or two of them. But um, I know the team was working extremely hard for each and every one of these guys. So we'll be up for quite a while here in my region. There's no question. And um, things are looking pretty good. Um, again, I'll try to get the Kansas team on and talk a little bit more specifics and some of the activities that they've been able to do because they've got a story to tell.
So I'll, I'll round them up. Dave, thanks so much for being with us tonight. I know you have a ton of states and a ton of races to keep your eye on. And I, sometimes it just seems like it takes forever for the results to come in. Um, but we will be watching them in, in the days to come and um, making good use of that data. So thanks for being with us. And thanks for all that you do. Matt, and I've already taken the jacket off. It's going to be a long evening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rita. Now we have Jackson coming back on to give us another national update. Jackson, what new developments are you seeing? Sorry about that. I had it on mute. All right. Well, we are um, monitoring a few things. Um, first, uh, the Pennsylvania race uh, is being called for the Democrat there um it, where he's up about 12 points with 60 percent uh in right now um however the the senate race in pennsylvania not over uh very close between um uh, or not, not very, very close but the gap is close in fetterman right now we're down to a one point lead for fetterman with 60 percent of the vote in there um Right now, for the House of Representatives in general, we haven't reported on that too much tonight just because we're waiting to see how things break across the country. But right now, it's looking like a 74 percent chance for Republicans um, to take the House across the country. That's according to The New York Times. Um, they're predicting Republicans will take the House still, which um, is good news to see um, for the Republicans on the East Coast. So now we're just waiting to see how things break on the West Coast. We have the next round of polls closing here in six minutes. Um, some more good news out of uh, uh, Florida again in the House for um, Anna Luna, uh, who is a candidate who barely lost in her district um, two years ago. She won uh, her district, which is actually the district that um, the Democrat governor candidate in Florida vacated to run for governor. Um, and she uh, takes that district this time. So which also uh, provides an interesting thing that is um, unique about this election is that we're dealing with all the new um, house maps that were drawn from the census. So something to keep in mind is probably something that uh, if you look in your local area um, and see the how the new districts were drawn, you probably could get a good sense of how things changed from two years ago to today uh, there. Uh, I think it's very interesting to see. I think there, uh, I've seen some reports about how that's affecting some of the races up in New York where you have an incumbent who's been in a district for many, many years. Uh, but then when the um, lines get redrawn, their incumbent base uh, isn't really the same anymore. And so the incumbency advantage um, isn't quite the same for them in this election. Uh, but obviously for the next uh, four election cycles, it'll now be the same lines. Last thing to look at as you go into the night here, um, Republicans need to take five out of eight uh, of the toss-up Senate seats to take control in the Senate. Um, those eight would be New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Carolina, Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Nevada. Uh, so they need to take five of those to take control uh, in the Senate. Um Obviously, right now, it looks like New Hampshire is leaning toward the Democrat, but it's still very close. Pennsylvania is a dead heat. Ohio is leaning toward the Republican uh, J.D. Vance there. North Carolina looks like it'll go to Ted Budd, but still um, very close. Georgia is a dead heat as well. Um, Wisconsin, also a dead heat. So very close elections all over there. Still waiting on results from Arizona 
and Nevada. Um, we should be getting things from Nevada starting in four minutes here. Um, and then so that's the thing to watch on the West Coast um, as we go into the night is how things break in Nevada and Arizona. And then also keeping an eye on Oregon um, in the governor race there, uh, something that kind of transpired this year. Race Republicans, you wouldn't think would be in, but have been very competitive in the polls on that. So we'll be watching all of that throughout the night here. Um, but that's our update uh, right now on the national stage. Thank you, Jackson. Excellent updates. Uh, Rita, I think now we are going to talk a little bit about Ohio, just a few more updates there, just kind of switching gears from the federal to some state houses. Uh, what can you tell us about what's going on in Ohio? Yeah, well, back to Ohio just one last time before we close out the evening, because we were talking with State Director Bill Scott about the Derek Marin race, very important race for us. And um, we were disturbed to see that he seemed very behind. And Bill just gave me this last minute update to say that two thirds of the precincts are now in and Derek Marin was at 49%. So he continues to sneak up on his opponent. And we're just hoping that trend holds out for that last third of the precincts um, votes to come in and that he will pull ahead and pull off that um, very tough race there. He's a strong convention of state supporter. So we very, very much want to see him win that race. Yeah, certainly some prayers for him to to hold the line and to uh, get across the finish line. We, we certainly want more of our ardent COS patriots uh, in the state legislatures because we need to get this thing done. Like like Andrew was saying when we were talking about block walking, we're just getting started. We need to grow, but we've seen so much growth already. But it's just every election cycle, we need to get as many COS patriots into the state legislature to help. Uh, get our resolution passed. Uh, Rita, are there any additional races that we should be looking out for in Ohio? Um, no, the the last I saw, um, Producer G, I don't know if you still have those graph graphics available, but we're still looking at 23 and 28 in the House. Both of those were neck and neck the last time um, we looked at them. So we we're hoping that those candidates there. Let's see, um, 28. Yep. It's still super, super close. And then 23 was the other one that was just neck and neck. The last time we looked at it, there it is. Oh, you see how close it is. And, you know, yet again, that's, you know, 200 votes or so to make the difference. So, if you're ever tempted to think that your vote doesn't matter, just look at some of these results. See how close they are. You, your vote absolutely matters. Um, so we're still we're still hoping that some of our convention of state supporters will pull ahead. And again, these two districts, 23 and 28, that we just looked at. Um, those are challengers seeking to pick off an incumbent and pick up a seat. So those are huge races. Our teams have been hugely impactful in making phone calls there, sending text messages to get those low propensity voters to get out to the polls and cast their vote for the candidate that supports 
Convention of States. So I'm, I'm really excited to see those races that close and hoping that our candidates do indeed pull it off. Mm -hmm. Well, Rita, you had said earlier that at uh, 10 o'clock, you're going to turn into a pumpkin and we are an hour past 10 your time yes. right now. So we've been giving wall-to-wall -wall coverage of many different races for the last three or so hours. And we've had I mean, we've had grassroots activists join us. We had Mark Meckler, Rick Green, Michael Ferris. We had Catherine Zemanik. Um, we had Dave Schneider. I mean, we had most of the RDs join us tonight. Uh, we've just had so many excellent guests on this special edition of COS Live. And it's been really just outstanding to see all of these results come in. Of course, we had Jackson and Lana, and they just continued to give us amazing updates on what's going on nationally. Um, and gosh, I just have to give a tip of the hat to producer G somehow he was able to balance all of this and get all of the guests plugged in at the right moment. And he's just behind there making this look so seamless. So producer G just, uh, what an amazing job that you have done. What a performance and Rita, just thank you for all of the, uh, amazing an analysis that you've given us and just each race you told us um, the, the numbers that, that we need to get to to win this, uh, these, these, these seats and just you, you're really dialed into all of the different uh, state house uh, elections and it's really quite amazing to see you work and to see your analysis there so thank you so much Rita um, with that I think we're getting down to the Final minutes here. I'll just give the last word to you, Rita, before we close out this special edition of COS Live. I just want to thank our viewers for tuning in and watching. This is the first time we've ever done this, so it was all a bit of an experiment. I know I had so much fun. It's always fun um, co-hosting COS Live with you, Andrew. But last word I want to say, don't don't be someone who just sits and watches things happen. Don't stop with your vote, although, of course, your vote is important. Take action. Go to conventionofstates.com, sign our petition, share it with your friends, and then click on that Take Action tab to get involved and get connected with the grassroots army in your state. You will not be sorry. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for this special edition of COS Live. Uh, we'll come back next Tuesday for another edition of COS Live. But until then, we have a country to save. Thank you for tuning in. Good night, everyone. Good night. This has been the podcast version of COS Live. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.